Put on your big Hollywood sunglasses and light the torch, because it's cellar time. Welcome to the Crack Cellar, as the prophecy was foretold. I'm Two-Spirit Penguin Daniel. And I'm Broadcaster Nichols. And today we discuss the new Tencent video game, Shilled by Riot, called Crucible, in which you can play a ripoff of the Guardians of the Galaxy to great effect. Broadcaster Nichols, please tell me your shark tales. Was it a 12-footer? Was it a great white, perhaps? Um, probably was about four and a half inches or so. <laughs> Damn, that's below the American average. That's a sad yeah. story. Let's be real here. That fucking guy hit like a fucking wet noodle. <laughs> so what do you think about Crucible overall? I, I think I like it a little bit more than you, but I'm not sold on it either. It's sort of, to me, it's what I thought Disintegration should have felt like in its beta. <laughs> but... This isn't a beta. This is like a released game, and they're calling it preseason. Wow. But essentially, the game's released. Do you do you see yourself playing this game into the future? Uh, yeah. Especially if they they make they flesh things out a little bit more. The balance right now is terrible. Like as you know, melee cannot compete with most range characters, especially a couple characters in particular. So it's like, what the point? What's the point of all the char- other characters right now? But the aspects of the game are pretty cool. You know, it looks like you can. <clears throat> I think it was called essence, essence skills or something. You can, so you can instead of a regular Dota, you where you go back to the base and you buy gear to get your build going. There's ways to upgrade the skills through. Is I don't I don't know if it's j- right now the beta. It's just giving you some basic skills by leveling up experience, or if there's going to be some type of mechanic where you can level these things up or get like runes or something to attach to your characters to make certain builds. Yeah, because that's what it, when I first looked at the game and in the menu, that's what it came off as. You know, I was like, oh, it looks like you're going to be able to gain experience and go down certain skill paths with characters but the three modes we played seemed more just like generic shooter type modes you know where you just passively killed mobs and gained experience it wasn't even individual experience it was it was shared party experience so your whole party levels up together so i don't know if it's kitty mode right now or this is just what the game is. I'd yeah. Be, I'd, be, I'd be pretty unimpressed if that's all they have. Yeah, it feels like a beta for sure. Uh, at least it feels like a beta with promise. So uh, definitely gives strong League of Legends vibes, which is not surprising considering the developer created League of Legends. Uh, it's funny you, you call the, you say all the modes are generic shooter modes and, at first, I wanted to respond and be like, no, Broadcaster Nichols, there's a Battle Royale mode. But then I was like, wait a second. 
<laughs> that is now a generic shooter mode. <laughs> what an exciting time to be alive. Yeah, it's an over quickly oversaturated one. That's just the that's just the repercussions of a oversaturated genre. Period. Mm-hmm. ERs is just a subgenre of FPS, right? So, yeah, I mean, some people call it a mode of FPS, not even a subgenre. I guess it just depends on your outlook on it. Sure, this, I this game definitely treats it as a mode, though, because. You can tell the majority of the game is not a battle royale, and it's not designed to be a battle royale, but they kind of just threw this battle royale mode in there to appease, you know, the the people that will only play a game if it has a BR mode at this point. Right. Yeah, it's the new hotness. It's old hotness at this point, but I I think FPS is just kind of dying a slow death, and no one knows what to do with it. I think the, the real cure is to stop making so many. Um. (laughs) well uh crucible's answer is to make it third person instead of first person so that's a that worked really really good for smite i guess (laughs) i guess people play smite still i don't know i you know i downloaded on the switch and the computer and i have played one game i think yeah i played it back in beta like fucking forever ago and it was garbage (laughs) I've heard from a chorus of voices that it is much better now and that I should give it a second chance, but I just haven't had the gumption in me to take the plunge. Yeah. The other thing about Crucible is that there's not a whole lot of characters. Oh, as far as these type of games go, I don't know if they're planning on selling characters to you or releasing them for free to allure people to keep coming back. I'd be interested to see that because um, how many characters are there? Nine? Ten? Uh, I want to say ten. Something like that. It was not a horrible amount, but it wasn't anything crazy either. It, it felt like it was probably double what Apex Legends had. Mm-hmm. What, what did that have? Like six at launch? That's a good point. I think it was six or eight, yeah. You know, speaking of Apex Legends, how similar the maps are. The yeah. Ma- I wouldn't say, like, like uh, geometry-wise, but the aesthetic and, I don't know, it's almost like they were built with the same engine. It felt like they were the same engine. It felt like they had the same map designer. It felt like they had the same class designer. Uh, there's a lot of, it's so weird because each time we play one of these games and we look at one of these games, we're like, well, this took a lot from this game. And it's like, then you get to this point where now things, people are taking stuff from Apex Legends and that game just came out like recently. And it feels like we're in this weird mode with the gaming industry where it's just like pure cannibalism at this point. Nothing is sacred. There is no honor among thieves. Let's just fucking do whatever the algos tell us will sell the most copies. And that's kind of what Crucible feels like to me. They touched all the bases for all of the popular games out right now and added just a little bit of their own formula to make it, you know, quote unquote new. Oh, sure. I mean, I mean, that's just what the gaming industry is turning into slowly. Just milking it dry, you know. No, that's why you don't really see 
story-driven huge titles anymore. I mean, it took 10 years to get Final Fantasy VII, right? Because the budget is just astronomical for what they wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's still people out there that are like, eh, 4 out of 10, meh. God damn, man. Can you imagine if you... Just say you went back in time in a time machine, back to the year 1999, and you could tell your little self, on one hand, I have the original FF7, and then on the other hand, I have this remake from the future, and you let your little self play it in 1999, both of them. <laughs> which which game do you think that your child self would have picked? You know, crack cocaine is a hell of a drug. And I think they'd pass it up to get that remake. <laughs> oh, dude, it's it's such a joke. I, I think that there's just this blind spot that adults have when they grow up, and they were a gamer as a kid, and they're still gamers as an adult. And I've noticed it from many different people where they'll just kind of trash something and compare it to something from their childhood. And I just look at him, I'm like, bro, I know for a fact that if I offered you these two choices in your childhood, you would have taken the thing you're now shitting on as an adult. I know no you doubt. would have. No doubt. I'd say 99% of people that are talking shit in that capacity would do that. Yeah. Given the, given the chance. Yeah. I'm not really sure what to make of it. If it's like just a human brain glitch that is inescapable in some people and that like maybe some people just have a genetic, a gene that prevents them from thinking so I don't know, myopically? I'm not even sure what the term is for it, but it's just something that I've noticed increasing as I get older and I talk to other older gamers about new stuff. And, I mean, I'm not someone that just slobbers over everything that's new. I talk lots of shit about lots of new things. But sometimes I just feel like there's this bug in the system where it's not that it's bad necessarily it's that your brain thinks it has to be bad and so you manifest it yourself through your your spin and your words that you tell yourself to make you think something isn't that good (laughs) yeah well i mean there's always bias you're always gonna i mean there's a reason why they call it subconscious bias you know yeah yeah you're just built that way i mean you know we're about to preview Ghost of Tsushima, and I guarantee you there are people that just write off anything that's samurai, basically. Mm-hmm. Anything. They're just like, fuck it, it's done, it's stupid. It's just like, are you kidding me? The game looks beautiful, yeah. it's gorgeous. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> How so, did you say that? <laughs> so do you think this is just an extension of the whole meme, Simpsons did it? Do you think that's what this is, but in gaming terms? Uh, I mean, in a way, sure. It's... <sighs> Yeah, it just you know if you were to, it's like the aliens, the old analogy of, you know, the aliens don't want anything to do with us because they see how savage we are. <laughs> you know, it's just like we can't appreciate anything. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Destroy everything we touch. <laughs> People can have like a fucking thirty billion dollar fucking budget on a game, right? Just like this, it could be the magnum opus of fucking video games. Every single legend you could ever think of that's touched a fucking golden game, right, comes together to make the super group, right? And they're just given the ungodly amount of money. Yeah. There is still going to be a minority of people that just shit on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
for 30 billion i could have done better (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah the armchair quarterbacking has proliferated so much because of the internet and not even the internet social media let's be real it's it's social media that's making all these people think that their their word is god like absolutely you get i don't think it's social media so much it's the small mechanic of social media right the likes Mm -hmm. the confirmation of your opinion and the other thing is is can you imagine getting this is the point that really drives me crazy about it can you imagine getting a remake to a legendary old school jrpg such as Final fantasy 7 or imagine imagine it was another game i mean imagine it was chrono trigger or or xenogears i'm afraid to see what the chrono trigger remake response would be even if it was perfect it it would be bad (laughs) but it's just like take any of those man it's it wouldn't it would not matter but the point the point being is is that how could you not just even if you don't like a little bit of it just enjoy it pay for it support it and tell the industry that you want to see more of it the fact that you're shitting on a, a, a golden age jrpg remake is bad that's not good if the majority of people were doing that that means you never see a fucking a jrpg remake remake again yeah. you just shout on all the possibilities of a chrono trigger remake uh any other final fantasy remake uh xenogears remake uh what else we got? I mean, got <laughs> Legend of Dragoon. I know you don't want that God one. God damn it, I Broadcaster mean... <laughs> Nichols. You did it again. That's a banned game on the Craxel. Uh You're right, though. It's it's really sad. and you, The thing that really gets me is when I look at the opinions of people that do this, and I, I kind of dissect why they're saying this and why they have such a low opinion, in this case of FF7 Remake. But this kind of applies to every sort of... I don't want to say every remake, but anything that's sort of capturing something from the past and trying to kind of modernize it, it's always kind of the same things. Most of what I've heard from people that hate FF7 Remake is, oh, it didn't follow the original close enough. It wasn't the same. It it was too different, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, out of 18 chapters, 16 were identical. You have two chapters that are granted 100% new but the rest was almost the goddamn same and when you press these people on what's different you will get some obnoxious answers like one oh, yeah. <laughs> one answer i heard that just made me want to punch myself in the face is that the npcs talked differently and i'm just like what 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 do you mean the npcs didn't talk in the original they just had text and what is what exactly is different? And you'll press them and it'll be like, oh, well, you know, the NPCs in the original, they were more steampunk. But in the remake, they're kind of needy. It's like, you mean because they have side quests that they gave them? That's the definition of needing something is giving and offering you a side quest. Listen, I don't like the side quests either. I'm not trying to go on like a rant defending FF7 Remake. I was going to say it's the weakest part of the game. <laughs> it, is, it is the weakest point of the game. But to like crux your entire, oh, this is shit, three out of ten, garbage remake. And your entire defense of that critique is the NPCs were too different. 
who the fuck cares about the NPCs? First of all, I don't even think the NPCs were very different. And this is just an example, because I've heard lots of other sort of straw man arguments that are just as bad as this one. I don't want to go into all of it. But it's just it's just this thing. It's a mental thing. You decided you didn't like this game, and your brain went on vectors to try and find what you could say to justify your predetermined response to this game. And what did you pick? You picked an NPC that likely had one sentence of text in the entire game of FF7, and they changed that one sentence of text slightly in FF7 Remake, and that's you going from 10 out of 10 to 3 out of 10. Yeah. And it's going to get deeper too. It is because you just look at you just look at the future of FF Seven Remake, and the next version is going to be totally different. We both agree on that. That this is going to be like well, it has not to be different by nature. I just you know. based on that ending, yeah. Like you basically yeah. by doing that ending, you're telling everyone, "Hey, this is not going to be the same journey that you went on the first time." And that excited me and you. But God, is it going to piss off some people? In the future, I just can't wait to read the reviews of FF7 Remake Part 2, where the entire critique is, we didn't go to Calm at the end, we went at the beginning. Oh, we didn't fire at Sapphire Weapon at this point, we did it at this point. Oh, the Gold Saucer had this many arcade machines, not this many. Oh, it, God. You know that that's coming, and it's just like, God damn it, this is why we can't have nice things. Oh, for sure. It's ridiculous. The cynic in me, really, though, if I'm like, if I, if I get to have my bitching point, though, mm-hmm. it would be the exact opposite. You know, I'd be like, I can imagine two, three years out from this po- this podcast episode right now, we're playing the final chapter of Final Fantasy VII, and it's barely, it pr- probably ends barely different. You know, there's probably a couple key things that changed, but overall the end result's the same or something like that. I could just imagine something like that playing out because they're too afraid of changing the story that dramatically. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's what I'm afraid of. I'm like, well, you pulled the trigger and now you're trying to p- perform triage on the victim. You know, I don't like, I don't like this. <laughs> you need to go all the way through. You need to fucking, I want to see something crazy. Agreed. And uh, rolling back to Crucible, uh, before we move on, I, I want to say that I appreciate the new stuff they do in Crucible. I like that the mix of League of Legends Dota-style stuff with the sort of traditional uh, third-person action game elements. I just want to see a... There needs to be a mode, and it's not in the game right now. The, like the, the mode that will sell this game does not exist yet. What we have, like you said, are generic FPS modes. You have the fight to kill the thing and collect the thing over the other team. Then you have the deathmatch mode that's just, you know, YOLO deathmatch. And then you have the battle royale, which in my estimation is the funnest mode right now. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'd say alpha hunters is the fun mode of all of them at this point the I would agree. I, we, we couldn't even get a match for the heart of the swarm or whatever that mode was because it's, it's lame it is lame <laughs> you gotta wait for the bosses to spawn and like the matches are like 40 minutes long <laughs> yeah dude it's just brutal yeah but yeah I'd, I'd say it has some promise but i'm definitely not sold on it yet and the fact that 10 cent the evil 
Chinese gaming empire owns Crucible does not give me a lot of hope in the backbone of the game, so to speak. Oh, yeah. And I'd... We have it on Steam. I'm guessing it's going to stay on Steam, right? (laughs) Amazon launching their own game launcher. (laughs) You would think, but who knows? Maybe it'll become an Epic Games exclusive a year Uh, from now. (laughs) So sad. Absolutely sad. You heard it here first on the crack seller. If you get if you, if you buy games on the Epic Game Store to the Gulag <laughs> to the Gulag with you, Broadcaster Nichols, are you ready for our preview? Oh yeah. What's that? You want more crack seller? <laughs> This is good. Join your lords on Twitter at the Crackseller and Facebook.com slash the Crackseller. Hey, you over there. Are you a straight up Chad or a strong woman? Well you can find us on Apple Podcasts and your favorite podcasting app. Or if you're a straight up beta cuck, find us on YouTube with the rest of the Cloud Chasers. And we're back with our preview of Nate Fox's Ghost of Tsushima. Broadcaster Nichols, are you ready for stealth samurai action made in America? <laughs> I am. You know, I, when this game first came out, I would have never thought it was going to be like Breath of the Wild. <laughs> <laughs> But the more and more I see it, I'm just like, this is Tenchu mixed with Breath of the Wild. Mm. A little bit of a little bit of Sekiro. Yeah, I I feel that. Um I haven't played Sekiro, but I know I Shame. I think I think it's cl- like similar to Neo, basically. I think they're both the same type of game, but probably Sekiro's better. Uh I would say it was Tenchu mixed with Neo in an open world setting, a la you know, Breath of the Wild is how I would put it. But I think that we're basically saying the same thing with that statement. Yeah. You haven't played Breath of the Wild. Like if you saw if you'd played some of like gotten, you know, decently far in Breath of the Wild and you saw some of the Ghost of Tsushima gameplay trailers for the first time, you'd instantly recognize some things hmm. you're just like you're like hmm there had to be someone's a fan of breath of the wild <laughs> <laughs> video game industry espionage action <laughs> yeah i mean it, it, nothing's nothing's hijacked but there were some clear parallels i was seeing yeah inspiration if you will yeah well, it's created by the same people that made infamous uh sucker punch studios yeah. and infamous is probably one of my favorite open world console games of all time uh second son not i never played the original infamous actually but i love second son the original two yeah i didn't play either of them yeah that's it's funny i'm the exact opposite i played the original two i haven't played second son Hmm. were the first two open world uh yeah they're identical okay yeah yeah so i definitely saw like the roots of uh infamous in this game as i've looked through the gameplay trailers and everything that's out there available right now another thing that really sticks out is uh it seems to be inspired by kurosawa films 
I think they're just a huge fan. I mean, not only the modes of the filters, if you will, the black yeah. and white and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. just the way the combat is too. It's very uh, theatrical. You know, it's you don't just hack and slash. Yeah, it's like you size up your opponent, you wait for them to attack, you counter like a true samurai would in a movie, and then another opponent comes towards you, and then another opponent comes towards you. So I'm wondering if that's how all battles play out. I'd be interested to see how boss battles play. Yeah, I think that one v one dueling system is the boss battles, like the one from the original E3 trailer that we saw a long time ago, where he fights that girl underneath the. Uh, the red tree and the sunset by the way that scene is so amazing it looks like it's straight out of a movie yeah that was i got everyone hyped for the game yeah that came out a long time ago and we've we've seen some new gameplay footage like you're talking about with like the choreographed much more formal uh battle system than what you usually see in action games it almost felt scripted or like it had quick time events that it wasn't really showing you on the screen. Like it didn't really show you how he was doing what he was doing. It just showed you doing it. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's just how the enemies and the character, your character moves in the game. It looks, that's what it looks like to me that you don't get rushed and you don't move that fast as far as like when you're, uh, Move, uh, slashing your weapon and stuff it looks almost realistic you know like one slash is a pretty like i didn't see a stamp in the bar now that i'm trying to recollect the the trailer but if there's an invisible stamina bar it just it came off like doing a slash and then doing another counter slash was a big feat you know like just you just can't hack and slash like you wouldn't Onimusha or something like that, you know? It's not just like a hack and slash. Like you can't just traditionally like you think you think of a lot of other games that you have a sword, you can just slash it as many times as you want. You have like three generic slashes you, you go through in a sequence. It doesn't look like that in this game. It actually looks like every slash is really choreographed and means something and you only really do meaningful attacks when there's an enemy. Like how you counter the enemy is how the attack goes off, whereas you don't actually have, you know, just a downward slash and a thrust and a, you know, shit like that. Yeah. And it's interesting, this ghost versus samurai system is an interesting decision from a design standpoint, because basically what they're telling you is that your character has two totally distinct styles. One is samurai, one is ninja. They call it ghost. But let's be honest. Really, it should be called Tenchu. <laughs> well, I, you know, at this point, I'd say, you know, from software is just letting that IP die. I mean, <laughs> just just let someone else take up the mantle. Fucking Ghost of Tsushima can can bring it. Then I'm all for it. Yeah, it seems like they are, and. uh so so what you were just describing now with the samurai, that same battle, as we saw in the trailer, is completely different as a ghost slash ninja. Instead of going in there like a badass, like fucking just sh- cutting people in half that come at you, you go in there like a sneaky bastard. You start throwing some smoke bombs and some fucking shurikens, and shit gets real, real quick. 
for sure. And that that's actually where my first big question came from recently is that I if, from the story standpoint, it looks like you're a samurai and then you die and become the ghost. You think that's literal? I don't know. I I thought like well e- even if it's not literal, there's it's still like a progression. Like the character still becomes the mm-hmm. ghost of Tsushima, you know. That's what I took it as. But as far as the gameplay trailer, it, it seems like you're switching back and forth or like there's an option between yeah. doing the 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 story or that mission uh, with a different style. Like I don't know if it's a loadout or if it's a different completely different gameplay through. But that was interesting to me. It makes me think what's going on there. Yeah, so I was with you. I assumed that he was a literal ghost in this game until I saw the most recent uh, trailer that uh, had the creators of the game, like various directors and developers, kind of going over different segments of the game. And uh, when I saw the battle segment with... uh, the director, Nate Fox, narrating, that was kind of a revelation to me because he basically, as far as I can tell, and you might disagree with me on this, he basically confirmed to me that the ghost, quote-unquote, is just a job of the character you're playing and that it's you're not a literal ghost. You're just switching between classes. Yeah, for sure. Because there's no indication that you're an actual dead person by the way your model looks or anything. And the only, really the only difference I can see from before uh, the invasion of the Mongols to after is the man bun. He cuts off the man bun, I think. It's true. So you're thinking that after the main development of the story in the beginning, that you just, the samurai or the ghost is just two different paths you go down? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like a good versus evil system, just like Knights of the Old Republic. You know, uh, you make choices, evil or good, and uh, those go down a certain path, and you get a different ending depending on uh, which path you go down. In this game, it seems like they are incorporating a job into that path choice. Yeah, I mean, that'd be pretty cool, and it also correlates with the surprising revelation that this game is pretty much a... vengeance filled murder spree of mongrels i didn't expect that i really i didn't really expect that when i first played i saw the trailer i was okay okay this is interesting this looks pretty dope traditional samurai maybe some dope ass samurai fights i never thought it would be an open world tenchu breath of the wild let's go just hunt down mongrels and kill the head con yeah. <laughs> like what the fuck yeah it, it's surprising they definitely kept that under their hat because Based off everything I saw up till recently, I thought this was just like a Japanese Civil War scenario, or the most exotic choice I would have come up with is like a China versus Japan type of scenario. If you made the enemy China, let's just say, what do you think the ramifications would have been with the amount of censorship coming out of the video game industry in China and the amount of sway they have? Do you think... That at this point, it's video game suicide to make your enemy China in the year 2020? Do you think we'll see any video games come out in the next couple years where China is the enemy? I don't think so. I think that their tendrils are so deep and so powerful that we're in an era of China is not allowed to be an enemy. Well, damn. 
you just saw one of the spirited the spirits of the penguin go deep <laughs> into some conspiracy related to Ghost Tsushima's uh, story. <laughs> well, you know the history of Japan and China. They fucking hate each other like more than than any two races alive on the planet. Other than okay, maybe India and Pakistan. That's the only comparison on the planet to China and Japan as far as pure hatred goes. And I have to give the edge to China and Japan because some of the stories that you'll read about what happened between China and Japan are like some of like the most heinous shit you've ever heard in your life to the point where you can't even believe it's real. Yeah, Japan did some fucked up shit in World War II to China. Oh, oh yeah. There's a lot of fucked up shit that happened between China and Japan. And you would think that it's just like a natural a natural enemy for Japan. You would, assu- you would assume that a lot of their enemies in their video games they would make would be Chinese. But I'm noticing <laughs> there's not a lot of Chinese enemies coming out of the gaming industry, period, Japan or otherwise. It's very true. But it doesn't surprise me. So, so yeah, instead we're, we're fighting the Mongols, uh, the ogre kid from the Goonies. And that's cool because on July 17th, when this game releases as a PS4 exclusive, when I cut down these Mongols, I will say, for Wuhan! We're going to have to edit that. <laughs> What's that? Hold on a second. I'm getting a call. <laughs> so so how deep do you think the Tenchu elements are going to come into play? Do you think that they're going to like have the fatalities? Absolutely. So yeah. I already saw, I saw two things. I saw stabbing some a fatality through the paper wall, which I was like Tenchu, boom, I didn't, right there. I wasn't sure if that was a fatality or if that was just a really great engine that they were making use of. You know what I mean? No, nah, that was definitely like a quick action. Thing you think where so? You lined okay. them up and yeah. And then I saw the fatality where he set off the firecracker thing, and those two people went out to go investigate and he jumped down, killed one of them and then immediately looked at the other one in slow motion and hit triangle and fucking killed him. So that, that was, was badass. That's a, yeah. That's a, that's a dual fatality to me, like a uh, fatal shadows type mm. shit, you know, cause that's yeah. when the dual fatality came in, right? It was fatal yeah. shadows. I think part of the problem is that this engine is so advanced that the fatalities just blend into normal combat and it's harder to tell that it's a fatality. Whereas with Tenchu, because of the archaic nature of the engines that Tenchu was in, you could kind of tell when it went from gameplay to fatality a little bit easier. Yeah, You never can tell though with these demos and stuff, yeah. the people playing, they try to make it seem way more tough and, and, you know, I don't even know the word I'm thinking of, but they just, they make it seem more than it really is. When you actually get your hands on the game, you're like, oh, you can just fly all over the place and hack and slash and fucking get some super weird glitches that just dominate enemies and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to wait to actually see what the game looks like. But as far as the gameplay trailers we've gotten, it looks very theatrical, just super theatrical. Like every fight you know, is choreographed looking. And then even at the end when he like goes up to the enemy body and bows, and then he like shakes the blood or he flicks the blood off his sword and she's it. And he's standing there the whole time. I'd like to know if that's something he actually does after every battle, kind of like akin to 
you know, the victory music after a Final Fantasy game or something, or if that's just the person playing, letting you soak in what the game has to offer mm-hmm. aesthetically. You know, like, oh, we, we made this, so I just want you to appreciate what we're doing right here. Or is this something you actually, is part of the gameplay? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's going to be a theme with this game because the graphics are nothing short of astonishing. I don't know what who they got to work on this game's lighting effects, but everything that I've seen in these trailers, it just looks like if you were to ask me what I thought the future of video games looked like in like the year 2003, this is it. Like when I look at that fight we talked about earlier under the red tree, that boss fight with that girl, that not only did that look like a movie, it just looked effing amazing. Like the way the leaves were coming down during the fight, the lighting from the sun shining off the leaves, shining off the ground, shining off their weapons. It was amazing work, and it's not just there. We've seen from recent trailers, there are a lot of stunning environments in this game, and there is a special shout-out to the lighting effects. Whoever is doing the lighting effects in this game, they need to teach everyone else how to do lighting effects, because they are goddamn top tier. I think, well, Sony in-house is... Because this is an in-house game, right? Yeah, Sucker Punch Punch is... is, Yeah, they're in-house. They are a Sony studio, yes. You know, when I saw God of War recently, I I thought the same thing. The lighting in that game was crazy good. The other thing that I found really interesting was the correlation between the costumes or the armor you can get and the jobs, as you put it. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm going to restrain from saying jobs because so far we only know there's two. So I would just say good or bad or samurai or ghost at this point. I don't think it warrants to say jobs because (laughs) I mean, if there was, if there was one more class, I would say, sure, maybe there are classes, but I think this is kind of like an A or B thing, but nonetheless, do the, do the suits of armor or the costumes, uh, are they for certain classes? Are they for certain are they for just specifically samurai? Or are they just aesthetic? I think or... they are. I think they do uh, add functionality. And this is totally conjecture, and I might be just smoking too much crack in the cellar here. But one thing I noticed in one of the trailers is that in samurai mode, there were different stances. And these stances did not seem like they were hard-coded. It looked like it was dependent on the equipment you had on. So my crack seller theory on that is that the armor that you're talking about and these pieces of gear give you different abilities within the job, within the, the class, within the good or the bad, the A or the B. That mm. These pieces of gear will expand whichever side you're on in certain ways, and it'll put you down a certain path. Okay. Maybe, yeah, I could see that. Kind of like, you know, how Bloodborne and and Dark Souls, like certain sets would give you certain attributes. Instead, in this game, they give you just, they tailor the way the character plays. You know, like one set gives you like a certain Bushido style, whereas another set gives you another like House's style. And then the ghost, I I I don't know how it would be with the ghost character because we haven't really seen much besides just that one costume and him just being a stealthy character. But, 
I'd be interested. I, I, I guess what uh, mainly I'm just interested to see how the costumes and the armors are going to uh, work with the uh, the two sides, the two classes. Because in Breath of the Wild, I thought this was one of the biggest shortcomings of Breath of the Wild's armor system and costume system was that it was it's expansive. There's tons and tons of stuff to collect, and they all do give you stat bonuses and stuff like that. But none of them really like they never really served any purpose. You know, like sure you had a set that gave you attack bonus, like it just gave you a flat attack bonus, but even if it was just made out of bone and leather and you were like half naked looking, you know, it looked like something you'd wear if you were trapped on an Island, essentially from your, from the dinosaurs you killed, (laughs) you can't, you can't wear that in a super hot area, even though there's a costume that covers you. I'd say just as much, if not more, and is using more hotter material aesthetically looking. And that's the hot costume. That's the one that gives you cool cooling abilities. It's like, well, that seems stupid. So I hope to, I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I, I hope to see Ghost of Tsushima do something like that. Not like that, you know, where it's not just, uh, okay, here's your level two, you know, Bushido set. Now your armor, your defense and your attacks get better. You know, I'd like to see something like what you're saying, whereas you get this full armor set and it allows you to actually do a certain style. That would be dope. Yeah, either a style or just a set of special abilities, or maybe even just one special ability. I could totally see it where you have like a couple of ability slots that are set just as static abilities that you gain normal ways. I could totally see having one special ability slot that's determined by your gear. And it will either be empty if you don't have the right kind of gear, or it'll fill up if you have the right set or a certain amount of that right step, maybe it gets powerful the more you collect a set. So maybe if there's a set of five pieces of gear that all go together, you get the ability when you get one piece, but it gets stronger each piece. And then when you get the fifth piece, it's like Exodia. You know what I mean? For sure. Or you can do it kind of like a a play on old school RPGs that had like triple attack moves like Chrono Trigger. Whereas if you had three different characters and they came and you could do the Delta Force, but instead it applies to your armor. Yeah. Three, three certain pieces of different armor sets that all work together to unlock like a super secret fucking OP move that you only can do once per mission or something like remember Tenchu? <laughs> remember that remember the heavenly palm attack that <laughs> yes. like took all your fucking energy? Like something like that, you know, it looked very grandiose and badass, but if you missed, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, hopefully we do get a deep gear system like that. We might, whenever we talk about stuff like this, I always think, man, we're probably like overselling the fuck out of what this is. And when we actually get it, it's going to be some dumbed down bullshit. I'm hoping that's (laughs) not the case here, but, uh, that's what we do at the crack (laughs) cell. We're we're dreamers. (laughs) (laughs) One shout-out I want to give, though, to uh, Nate Fox's uh, studio over at Sucker Punch is they made a decision I have never seen made ever in the history of video games. They are an American video game developer that is going to allow you to play the game with Japanese vocals. This has never happened before in the history of video games. There has never been an American video game dev that made a game and let you play it with 
Japanese vocals in the American version. It's never happened. This is it. This is the first time. It's a bold choice. I know it's probably because Sony is a Japanese company and they're an internal studio. And they're also m- huge fans of, you know, of old Japanese films. When you look at how this seems to be inspired by Kurosawa films, and if you like Kurosawa films, you just love Japanese culture. Like, if you love The Seven Samurai, you're not. You don't just love the Seven Samurai. You love the culture of Japan because that's what those movies exude. There's right. no way to love them without like it's inseparable. So when you look at that and then you look at this decision, it becomes very obvious that there is a reverence for the source material in in which this case would be early uh, Mongol invasion era Japan. Uh, what was it? When did when did the Mongols invade Japan? It's probably the 1700s, early 1700s, right? I couldn't tell you. I it, didn't know Mongols invaded Japan. I thought Mongols were a China thing. I didn't think the <laughs> Mongols ever <laughs> fucked with Japan. <laughs> no, no, they they definitely did invade Japan in real life, but it was a, it was before the United States of America existed. I know that for sure. This was a very long time ago. And for them to pull that out of their ass to become the storyline of this game is another reverence point for Japanese culture. You don't you're you're a fucking certified Weibo broadcaster, Nichols, and you didn't even know that was true in real life. <laughs> These fuckers did, and they made it the storyline of their game. I'm a certified Weibo. <laughs> I have yet to get my plaque or medal. Okay, broadcaster or my, Nich- coup- my expired coupon to Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> broadcaster Nichols. Which episode of One Piece are you on right now? Uh, I'm on no episodes. I just finished Whole Cake Island, which is like so. You're on episode hundred. No, something. I'm pretty sure that's like episode nine hundred. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling me you've watched nine hundred episodes of One Piece and you're not a certified weeaboo? Is that your story? Are you sticking to that? Well, I mean, to, to set the story straight, I have not watched nine hundred episodes of One Piece. I read a bunch of pages of One Piece and then decided to start the anime. And there it is, folks. He is not a certified Weibo. He is a platinum encrusted Weibo. <laughs> this was many years ago. <laughs> so, so back to the Zelda uh, connection. I didn't get a huge sense of Zelda while I was watching any of this, but there was one point where I did, and it was the horse riding parts. When I saw him riding that horse, it reminded me of being on Epona in uh, Ocarina of Time. Shooting yeah. down chickens with my bow and arrow. Chickens. That's right. That's how I rolled the, the chicken. They're, the kookaroos, right? <laughs> Certified weeboo. Unbelievable. I'm leaving. <laughs> well, broadcaster Nichols, I think we've discussed Ghost of Tsushima quite a bit, but I have one more important question to ask you before we give our thumbs up. Our thumbs down, or the dreaded side thumb. <laughs> the side thumb. <laughs> that sounds like a bad porno. <laughs> <sighs> Will Tom Cruise, the last samurai, make his deserved cameo in Ghost of Tsushima? <laughs> Broadcaster Nichols, I demand answers now. Dude, it'd be so dope. 
if they just did like like an honorable mention or something like a statue that like referenced the battle or or maybe like a DLC expansion we'll get later on. I don't know, dude. Like that would be I would uh dude. Like you know, you ever watch the Grinch when his heart grows two sizes? That's what would happen to me. <laughs> I'd be like, you know what? There are there's hope and justice in this world. <laughs> well, broadcaster Nichols, do you give Ghost of Tsushima a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or a side thumb? I wish I had four thumbs so I could give that that ghost four thumbs up. Oh, you're about to say th- four side thumbs. I was like, damn, dude. <laughs> What do you got planned? I never side thumb goes to Tsushima. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm definitely giving this a thumbs up. I, everything I've seen from it is amazing. There is literally not a single aspect of it I've seen so far that I dislike. It's all positive. So I think really the key is going to be if it can nail down the story in an open world environment in a satisfying way, because one problem open world games have keeping the story straight and keeping a narrative straight and you can kind of get lost. Yeah, for sure. If they can nail the story within the open world format and everything we've seen sort of comes to fruition in a massive scale, this could be like game of the year for sure. I could see this being a game of the year candidate easily. So I'm definitely giving it a thumbs up. And with that, we will head to our review. If broadcaster Nichols can manage to fit it into his busy schedule. Crickets. (laughs) And we're back with our review of Alex Kurtzman's Star Trek Picard Season 1, and the creators of this television show describe it as the following. At the end of the 24th century, and 14 years after his retirement from Starfleet, John Luke Picard is living a quiet life on his vineyard, Chateau Picard, when he is sought out by a mysterious young woman, Dodge, in need of his help. He soon realizes she may have personal connections to his past. Broadcaster Nichols, Picard is back, but he is not even close to the Picard you remember from Next Generation. Yeah, I would say he. At first, I thought he was a clone. I thought this <laughs> was like, I thought this was going to end with some sick fucking clone of Picard, and the real Picard wakes up in a Borg pod or something. You know, not yeah. the case, unfortunately. <laughs> Unf- well, you know, a boy can dream. I'm not even the biggest Star Trek fan in the world. I like Star Trek. I know some things about Star Trek. I, I would things. get I would get destroyed by any real Star Trek fan in debates or anything like that. I don't know that much. But I could write better Star Trek stories than what we got in fucking Picard. <laughs> All right. You, you could have. I think that my uh, two-and-a-half-year-old daughter could have. I think a rock almost could have. There is some embarrassing writing quality in this show. And when you talk about Star Trek, what what is your exact experience of Star Trek? Let's let's set our records on the table here. What have you seen of Star Trek? I know you've watched the next gen movies with me. So I yeah, know you've seen those. 
Yeah, I've seen almost every single Star Trek Generation movie. I've seen quite a bit of the actual series. I would say I'd never have actually watched Star Trek Generation from start to finish completely. There's plenty of episodes I probably haven't seen, but I get the gist of how it went down. You know, mm-hmm. I know they're I know they're run-ins with the Romulans and the Borg and, and you know, like the Klingons and and uh you know, Worf and his character building. I, I, I'm somewhat familiar with all that, but I, I don't know everything. Like I said, there's you, a lot of stuff I don't know. And you've never watched any of the other Star Treks, right? You've never seen Deep Space Nine or Voyager? No, yeah, actually, I actually watched a lot of Deep Space Nine. I, okay. I watched a little. What's the one with Scott Bakula? Is that That's Enterprise. Enterprise? That's I've Enterprise. I've seen, I saw probably about a season's worth of Enterprise too. Hmm. Okay. So you've, yeah, yeah you've seen a little bit. Um, I have seen every episode of every Star Trek series that exists. I've seen every movie, <laughs> every Star Trek movie that exists, including fan movies, uh, which is kind of embarrassing. I probably shouldn't have admitted that part. Uh, I've also seen Star Trek Discovery, which I don't even really consider a real Star Trek show because it's it's lights, camera, action Trek. It's not Star Trek, and anyone who's seen it's it knows not. that. It's not. I mean, it's just like J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. You it know? is. Like, to me, when I think of a Star Trek series, you know, I think of a captain, part of his crew, go solve a mystery on another planet or help with some type of alien international problem with, like, in between space disputes or something like that. There's there's always character building in, like, Deep Space Nine and, and Next Generation stuff. Like, you always wanted to know what Quark was up to. You know, you want to know more about Quark. He was a, he was a dope-ass character. But at, there was never like this idea that you're going to go on the crusade to build up Picard's character to just cut him down and replace him with the young hope. You know, mm-hmm. like that's not Star Trek that it's all about missions. It's like goofy missions. It's kind of like Stargate was, you know, mm-hmm. every time you went through the gate, you got to a different planet. There was different people, a different town you had to interact with. They had a problem or somehow it gave you a problem back at home. There's none of that in this series at all. Yeah. It's all this continuous linear fucking action of Picard gets thrusted into this new problem that we'll spoil later, and it's all women based. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm serious. Oh, I know. Like, I'm all for women, all right? But but fucking I was astonished with how many women they fucking just packed into this series. <laughs> and like, and they're all strong women too. That it's it's such a meme. Like when you see it, you're just like, oh, okay. So uh, the leader of the Federation is a woman. The leader of the Romulan uh, Zot Vosh or whatever that fucking stupid group is that I want to forget about is a woman. They're all women. All the people in power are women. The only male character in this show that actually isn't feminized, emasculated is the 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 Romulan kid or the Vulcan kid who is the new character in the show that comes in uh episode 3 and he is still kind of a bitch like he he's yeah. less of a bitch than the rest of the males in the show but he still is kind of a bitch so you're absolutely correct all the women are strong women all the guys are complicated at best and uh girls at worst and the real travesty is what happens to Picard uh, we're we're not talking spoilers yet, but 
let's just say that Picard is not treated with respect in this show. This is not the John Luke Picard you remember seeing in Next Gen. He's not the John Luke Picard you even remember from Star Trek Nemesis, the aging Picard at the very end of the movie arc. It's not him. It's a different character. On one hand, he's written completely differently. On the other hand, he's also portrayed differently by Patrick Stewart himself. I believe that Patrick Stewart forgot the character of John Luke. When you watch this show, if you've watched the X-Men movie, you will feel like he is actually more like Professor X than he is like John Luke Picard in this television show. Yeah. Well, it, it, it seems that way, too, with the way they use gimmicks almost every single trope and gimmick from the original Star Trek generation was in the forefront in the series to the point where it was nauseating. The fact that I didn't know how many scenes you saw people drinking Earl Grey tea (laughs) and how many characters just coincidentally liked Earl Grey tea. It's Mm -hmm. like, shut the fuck up. Is this world based on Earl Grey tea now? Because Picard, (laughs) it was his favorite drink. Now it's like everybody's drinking Earl Grey tea. It killed me on the inside. It really did because I, I was like, "Man, all, this is that's what this series is going to be, isn't it? It's going to be a very veneer, veneer thin level of gimmicks, essentially, and a bunch of hollow underground underneath." Is just it killed me every time I saw someone pouring a fucking cup of Earl Grey tea. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was disgusting. Uh, there's a lot of disgusting elements of this show. It's not the worst show in the world, and I'm not going to sit here and act like it's a fucking travesty of fucking time and space and that this show is going to open up a black hole in the time-space continuum and suck all television in existence in with it. But it's close. Uh, it's like a really, really bad version of Firefly. It is nothing <laughs> like Next Generation. It's nothing like Star Trek, period. Uh, the only thing it really has going for it is the production values. The production values are really good. You can tell they put a lot of money into the show. Just it was squandered. Uh, just really bad choices. This is this is a rated R Star Trek. This is very odd because Star Trek was always a family show, and it was always just kind of a show that you could watch with your kids. And it was also something that kids could watch and their parents would not be like, oh, you can't fucking watch that. That's too adult for you, blah, blah, blah. Because it just kind of had this little buffer that although there was adult content in it and there's adult situations, it never really feels in like a way which you would not want your kid to watch it. So that's why you have people like me that grew up watching Star Trek as a little kid. And it it pains me to see a show that I could not watch with my daughter. Even if she was five or six instead of three, she cannot watch this show. There is some serious blood and guts in this. This, this is not typical. And it's because it's on uh, CBS All Access. So they're letting them do whatever they want. There's no censors. And in this case, I think censors would be good because they they do some things where you're just like, okay, that's cool. And I would have loved it in uh, Blade with uh, Wesley Snipes. I would have loved this scene in Blade, but I don't love it in Star Trek Picard. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, the level of violence they went to. It was jarring. It is, and the swearing is jarring, too. I love swearing. I have no problem with swearing. 
but it doesn't belong in Star Trek. Star Trek, let's put this out on the table. Star Trek was always about a better future. It was a perfect future. Everything was figured out. We don't have any of the bullshit of the past, a.k.a. Uh, racism, uh, sexism, all the stuff SJWs would love to get rid of. And that's why they kind of attach themselves to the Star Trek property, because they kind of see it as like their, their ship sailing into the night, you know, flying their flag. But in reality, it's not that they were... Star Trek was never SJW. It was just on the right side of human decency. We don't need to, it's like, okay, yeah, we can have interracial kisses, because who gives a fuck? Yes, we can have lesbian romances, because who gives a fuck? All this stuff is fine. But the thing with Picard is it it doesn't do that. It brings Star Trek back in time. It puts in today's politics, where we have all of the Orange Man Bad and the Brexit politics and all these little real-life themes. And it's like, no. Star Trek was about going into the future and forgetting about the bullshit of today. And instead in Picard, they do the fucking opposite and they bring you right back into the bullshit of today, but magnified. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was saying earlier, dude, with the amount of women you see, it's, it's just jarring. It's cool to like have a woman in power or have a few women. It's but it's, it's weird when all of a sudden I didn't see, I don't think I saw one person and Starfleet that wasn't a woman besides mm-hmm. that dude that somebody that wasn't actually in there. It was just from a past sequence. Yep. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I swear every single woman or every single person in Starfleet was a woman. The main protagonist inside this new series woman, the only dude that's actually in a main role in the, in the series. that's not Picard is, um, Actually, there's two of them. It's what's his name, Rios and uh, Elnor. Is that his name? Yep, yep, Elnor. Yeah, it, it's what a manly name, by the way. Hey, Elnor, give me a beer. <laughs> and they both have like baggage. Like one has daddy issues, and the other one's like, no, they both have daddy issues. Both, Never yeah. mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. These are not manly men. There is not a single manly man in this entire television show. Not a single one. With a small, small cameo exception, which we will not talk about because it would be a spoiler, and we're not spo- not talking spoilers yet. It's the only but, good part of the series. But I'm, but I'm going to tell yeah, I'm, I'm going to say it doesn't count because it's totally out of the actual show, and it's just a cameo, and it it's very brief, and it's like this it, a brief reprieve from the series. <laughs> it, <you is>. get. <laughs> it, it really is. Uh, so yeah, we've been talking about new characters. Some of them are okay, but most of them feel super forced. Rafi, I think is my least favorite new character, but none of them are really great. Do you like any of the new characters without going into any details? No, because they're new and they try to make it act like they've been there forever. Like, I remember hearing an interview with this guy before the uh, series came out, and he's just like, we're trying to make this a series so even people that have never seen Star Trek can watch it and feel like they don't need to catch up, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I saw that in the characters, like the two yep. Romulan uh, Tal Shiars, or whatever. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not quite sure. But they acted like they were, you know, 
staple characters, just the way they came off. They've always been there. They helped him at the end of Insurrection and shit. It's just like, no, they didn't. <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> you know, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and the same thing with Ralphie. <laughs> like, you know, like until that one episode comes where it kind of shows you some past history with uh, her and uh, Picard. But all the way up until that point, they act like she's like some past character, like mm-hmm. to be respected. And it's just like, who are you? <laughs> who exactly. are all of you? <laughs> it, none of it's earned. It's it's this syndrome you get with people that have egos in Hollywood that take over a big property. And they just have this ego where they're like, I'm I'm the cap. You know, look into my eyes. I'm the captain now. And that's the way they write it. They write it in this arrogant way where they think they don't have to earn anything they think that they can just write these characters so like they're your best friends right off the bat like you're on episode 500 of one piece you you know you're you're down with the entire crew no you can't do that it doesn't matter if it's called star trek you still have to fucking write your characters and build a relationship with them with the viewer they don't do that and rafi is the worst example of it I don't really consider this a spoiler, so I'm just going to say she calls Picard, and, and she is supposedly this friend that you've never seen before, but they've gone way back, and they've known each other forever. She calls Picard JL. JL. Constantly. And it, you can tell the writing made it a point to do it. It's not like she just says it like a few times in the series. I think that she probably says it to him 25 times throughout this 10-episode series, at least twice an episode that she's in, at the very least. And it reeks. It just reeks. It's cringy. It sucks. When you hear it, you're like, shut up. Just shut up. Stop saying that. Yeah. it's No one wants to call him Captain Picard or anything. Nope. <laughs> it's, no it's, respect. <laughs> like, it was like they were afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Well, they. I mean... We'll get to the spoilers in a little bit, but there's a reason, I guess, you could say why he technically isn't Captain Picard. But they don't even like, they don't even act like he deserves it. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're just they call they treat him like an old man. They treat him like an invalid <laughs> that they're taking to the old folks' home. That's how they treat him. He, they treat him with absolutely no respect. You would have no fucking clue that this motherfucker was Lacutus of Borg, and that fucking hundreds of thousands of people quaked at his presence. Now it's like he's just like the fucking poor old dude down the street that has been abandoned by his family and people feel bad for him. And it's just really it's sad. It's really sad to look at Picard like this. And I don't think it's the age thing. I think that you could have done Picard at this age in a respectful way. They go out of their way to disrespect him constantly. It's super weird because I don't I'm not quite sure if that was their goal i think there was like a a rhyme and reason to it you know because after you watch the whole series and you see the end you're just like oh okay that's not like there's a reason why they were amplifying that symptom of picard you know Mm -hmm. so i i know it's there for a reason but at the same time it's like you made him like you said inept like it was just (laughs) what's this show about just everyone pitying picard and trying to help him out on his his old man journey that he thinks is important and no one else does until the very last minute. And they're like, Oh, it's world shattering important. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Let's get all of Starfleet. (laughs) You you know, Picard was in the running for best captain of all time. Most people either consider him number one or number two. No one has him below number three, but 
you kind of look at this show and you feel like the writer's room had a vendetta against the character Picard. It's almost like they wrote they this show to take him down. A cis white male, Daniel. A cis white male. M- maybe but it's just that. But holy shit, do you just feel some malice from the writing of this? Like they just wanted to take Picard down a peg because they know how much everyone likes him and how everyone just compares him as like the bar. And it's almost like they just wanted to torch that bar. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, isn't that what they're always trying to do? I, I tried bringing it up earlier, you know, like with your reference to One Piece, where it's like episode 500, you're used to all these people. You just can't drop it on a dime, right? Even if episode 501 and 500 are years apart, huge hiatus, you know, writer strike, whatever the fuck it is, you know, just taking a break. And then 10 years later, have you 501 comes out and they're just like, well, it was 10 years ago. You know, a lot's changed. We're just going to start anew and try to tell a new story because no one wants to mm-hmm. you know, see what happened after episode 500. Like, no, bitch. <laughs> Everyone wanted to know. <laughs> we don't want some like new re- hot new reboot where you're going to justify some strong woman to take the lead. You know, there's plenty of strong woman in Star Trek. It was criminal how little of some of the female characters we got from the original Star Trek. It was criminal. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. (laughs) Well, okay. I feel like we're starting to to verge into spoiler territory. Uh, Before we do, I want to just say that this feels more like a reboot. It's not a reboot. They call it, they say it's not a reboot. They say it's a sequel. They say it's prime universe and it's not JJ universe. I call I bullshit. That. I call bullshit on all this. This is JJ Trek. You can just feel it. It exudes JJ Trek. And that's fine. And there can be good JJ Trek. I love the original Star Trek remake of like 2009 or whatever. That yeah, was a Chris great Pines, movie. Chris Pines. Yeah. yeah that was good. a great movie. Uh, but this, this has all the bad parts of JJ Trek, including Alex Kurtzman. That guy is like the plague of Hollywood. Anything that Alex Kurtzman is involved in is like you fucking you just want to like put holy water on yourself before you get near it. It's not good. He's toxic basically. And he was the guy that said, let's do a character study on Picard. It's like, who? Yeah. Why do we need to do a character study on Picard? And it wasn't a character study. It was a character takedown. Yeah. But, uh, what did you think about the music in general? Because I really thought it felt flat. They had a great budget and the production values were high, but it felt like they just didn't give a fuck about the music. And in addition to that, the intro theme song was a slap in the face. The intro was a slap in the face, but other than the intro, I didn't really take note of too much. It was pretty unfamiliar. It was just all kind of lackluster. Nothing to be remembered, you know, like, there was, and there wasn't a lot of over the top soundtracks too, or any pieces in the, in the whole series. I don't remember one like fight scene or anything that had a cool song. No, it was all very generic. Um, my guess is that it was all, uh, open source. Like you could just download it off the internet for, for like royalties. You know how they have like sites where you can just kind of like buy generic music to use in whatever you're making for like a small fee. Yeah. I get the feeling that they did that with this movie or this television show soundtrack because it felt super uneventful almost non-existent. And then, like I said, the intro, 
it's just really bad. And then at the very end, it does the little dun, 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 like to try and be like, no, we're still Star Trek guys. We promise. But it's like two seconds at the very end. Like they're just tossing you this crumb, like enjoy your crumb slave. They couldn't even afford the fucking Star Trek theme song. Dude, the most memorable thing about Next Generation, and I grew up watching Next Gen, I think I first started watching it when I was five years old, and I grew up with it, and the thing that stuck with me from the very beginning was the intro. You just out of, you, you see space and the stars and everything, and all of a sudden, space. Like, you hear John Luke Picard do this speech. It was mind-bending. It was imagineful. It was beautiful. It was a core component of the show. And I think that any old school next gen fan will tell you the same thing. I don't think that that's a rare opinion. And for them to just do this generic bullshit intro with this little crumb throw at the end, it really felt like I was being spit on by the creators of the show. Yeah, I felt like a lot of the scenes in the series were like that. Mm. The lack of some people not being in the series. People yeah. that were there not getting enough. Mm-hmm. Just, it's just ridiculous. It, indeed. And another quick thing before we go to our spoiler section. Most of this show is terrestrial. There is actually very little going on in space in this show. Is that not bizarre for a star trek show even discovery is mostly space-based i felt like half of picard was terrestrial at least maybe more than 50 percent. i would say a lot 80 to 90 percent of it was yeah i mean the only time you were really it depends on what you ship yeah you never and you were in a wormhole and never actually Mm -hmm. showed ship on ship combat really there was a couple times but But very rare yeah. It, it did not feel like an actual Star Trek show. There were <laughs> there's very little in the way of space combat. Another sort of nail in the coffin, yeah, dude. No photon torpedoes. No on screen. Uh, no I fucking know. shields. No no. In- I mean, it, even engage was a gimmick in mm-hmm. the fucking series. Like it it's was all like, gone. Here's, here's the old man. He's about to say his favorite line. It's like, come on. Closing thoughts broadcaster Nichols before we go to spoilers what what would you tell to someone that is on the fence about watching Star Trek Picard on the fence I mean if they're an old school Star Trek fan they're just they probably already are decided you know they probably if they haven't seen it at this point they're probably not going to see it but if I was trying to convince them to watch it is that it could possibly get better if Mm. they get rid of Alex Kurtzman yes there's a chance that the series could get way fucking better. And if they, if they were allowed the same budget too, you know, if they learn from what everyone is saying about the series now, they can turn the ship, the theoretical, the metaphorical ship around, you know, mm-hmm. and go in a better direction. But there's, it's, it's a long shot. Now, if I'm talking to somebody that's never seen Star Trek and they're just like, Oh, should I watch it? I'm just like, I just tell them to fucking watch it. Because they probably like garbage or they don't like garbage. And there's nothing I can say that was going to change that, you know? Because <laughs> a, sh- a lot of TV shows are just trash out there. And it's just like, if you tell someone their favorite vampire fucking sex novel <laughs> series or whatever is trash, they're like, whatever, dude, you're just a fucking incel. <laughs> it's, it's like, nah, dude, you're a grown man and you're watching a vampire romance series. All right. <laughs> Oh, boy. Yeah. 
I would concur with everything you just said. Uh, I think the majority of old school fans will be disappointed with Picard season one. I think there's no question about it. I think that maybe 10% might like it, but I think the vast majority are going to give it a thumbs down. But that being said, if you are an old school fan of Next Generation, you have to watch it anyway. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you see the future and you know you're going to die, but you have to walk those steps anyway because it's destiny. That's that's really what we have here. And you know it and I know it. You're going to watch it. This is not a good show. This is a show that at best is middling. Anyone that tells you this is like a top tier television show has an agenda. They're lying to you because it's not. I wouldn't recommend it. I I honestly wouldn't to a non-Star Trek fan or even just like a sort of, you know, out there in orbit Star Trek fan. I would tell those people, don't watch it. Go watch Altered Carbon. Go watch The Expanse. Go watch Dark Matter. And with that, are you ready to go into our spoiler section? Oh, yeah. Picard is a mess. He's emasculated and addled with a mysterious MacGuffin syndrome that drives the entire plot that we never really find out about and is basically just used to say reasons this is happening. Just ignore all logic and please continue to watch 10 very uneven episodes of television. Is that your final diagnosis? (laughs) The prognosis is bleak. This was probably the worst portrayal of Romulans I've ever seen in my long, illustrious career of watching Romulans on Star Trek. From the very beginning, you just look at this and you're like, Romulans are like the most sly, they're they're the best at uh, subterfuge and espionage, like literally it's their specialization. They are badasses at this stuff. And the way that this is portrayed makes them look like they're the fucking uh, Chris Farley of espionage. So from from there, we go back to Chateau Picard, and it's pretty cool. You know, there's there's some cool stuff there. There's this little interview where, you know, they're, like, trying to get him on gotcha questions, which really mimics the media of 2020. The way that they portray this uh, interview is very... Again, this is not Star Trek. This is Today Trek. It, we're no longer this the is stars. Today Trek. <laughs> and, and this is just the first little salvo of that. And you have Picard kind of defending himself against these gotcha questions and blah, blah, blah. And it had total like CNN fake news vibes all over it. But what's cool is what comes after. You kind of start to see Picard interact with the various characters on his chateau that vanish very soon. You'll never see him again, so have fun. But essentially, Picard's butler and his kind of caretaker are both Tal Shiar, former Tal Shiar operatives. Romulan Tal Shiar operatives. That is really cool. It makes no fucking sense. I have no idea why the Tal Shiar has uh, two men defending Picard at his <laughs> chateau at age 120 or whatever Supposedly, they just had so much fucking respect for him. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was cool, at least. Like, I always kind of envisioned Picard, like, having, like, a team of badasses surrounding him as his bodyguards when he got older. I, I kind of, like, I like the idea of that. 
And when you see them fight, there, there's a fight scene that happens with the, the Tal Shiar caretaker and Butler. It was really cool. I was one of my favorite choreographed fight sequence in the entire show. From here, we kind of have this little loose sequence where Dodge is looking for Picard because reasons. <laughs> Again, this very loose plot line here. They say it's just like, oh, well, I just saw you. It's like, okay, you saw his face. How do you know his fucking address in France? <laughs> There's just a lot of real loosey-goosey plotting going on with this writing, and that'll be a theme that continues all the way to the end in glorious fashion. Uh, Broadcaster Nichols, how did you feel about the show at the end of episode one? Because I was pretty optimistic. I wasn't. As soon as I saw the where the story was going with Dodge, I was just like, okay. It's going to be figure out who I am and why I'm significant while we use Picard to shoehorn my significance. (laughs) Or not shoehorn, that was an improper word, but fucking, you know, chain my significance to his, you know, to prop me up. It's just that character could not stand alone at all. You take Picard out of that series, that show sucks. All right. Period. Yeah. <laughs> like that that series could not stand on its own. It's not well written. No. <laughs> it would have been canceled before it was released if Picard Absurd. himself wasn't in it. Yeah. I mean, when you know Data was in the first episode a little bit, you know, I saw some old familiar faces. I thought it was cool, but overall, I I had a lot of pessimism going after that episode. I was just like, I really didn't expect any cameos. When we got Riker's cameo, I couldn't believe it. I was just like, wow, we actually got somebody besides Data. (laughs) And whatever that fucker is. I forget the doctor's name. What was that fucking Pipsqueak's name? (laughs) Uh, The doctor. Remember he goes and visits him at the, and gives him the prognosis. That's, I I think he's a new character. He's not a new character. He's... He was in. I swear he's from something. He isn't. Do you have any idea? Because I thought he was a new character. I don't remember him. I thought he was in the movies or something like that. Movies. Which one? Insurrection. Maybe. Which one are you thinking? I don't know. It's Mm. been so long. Maybe he's not. Maybe he is a new character. I I think you're tripping on that one. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that he's just a new character. He could have been from a different series too. I'm not quite sure. He does. He's recognizable. When I saw him, he looked familiar to me, but I didn't right. think that he was from Star Trek. But nonetheless, it's just that that first episode didn't give me any hope. <laughs> well, then you must have not been too disappointed when the next two episodes after were just garbage. And like <laughs> the second episode of this show gets the Dunce Cap Award for just like. It's just the worst crap I ever had to sit through. Half the episode is about Picard going to recruit Rafi. And the sequence is dumb. Like, she's living in a trailer in, like, the same place where Tremors comes from. And I'm expecting fucking... (laughs) She's like the female Kevin Bacon out there. (laughs) She is the female Kevin Bacon. And she's out there smoking snake grass. And she's fucking drinking synthol and trying to act like she's tough and above it all. Blah, blah, blah. She treats Picard with absolute disrespect. She calls him JL because they're so close, even though like it seems like they don't even know each other. They have no rapport. They have no chemistry. You're just like, why did you make Patrick Stewart go into the desert to film this scene? 
just don't even do it, man. The poor guy. This wasn't worth his time. Fucking just yeah. skip over this shit. Do an animated sequence and let him voice sure, act it. Dude. It's gross, man. I mean, think about... Just think about if you replaced all these new characters with everybody else that you would expect to be in this series, like Jordy or something like that, or Crusher, or... Um, uh, what's that fucking kid's name? <laughs> I forget the kid's name. From which, which, from which one? Generation. Who's the kid uh, that pilots the ship? Uh, well, Wheaton. Oh yeah, Wesley Crusher. I thought you already said him for some reason. Oh yeah, yeah, I did say Crusher already. And um, who is the? Um, Shut the, up, Wesley. Who who was the the female doctor that Picard liked the orange the redhead? Oh yeah, yeah, Beverly Crusher, his mom. Okay, that's that Wesley's is mom. okay, that is his mom. Okay, that's why I that's what I thought. So, anyways, none of them. Nope, <laughs> there's none of them. Like no, think they, about it, Jordy was like this badass fucking like blacksmith or something, like just taking apart robots or something, and he fucking hated Picard, you know, and he he like came to his yard and he had to like build like a fucking discreet off the books ship that couldn't be detected by radar to get off the plane, you know, cause he wasn't doing so well with Starfleet. And there's none of that. It's just like, Oh, let's go f- find this made up chick that knows a dude that has this fucking badass ship for no fucking reason. They just let him have it for some reason. He clearly has a drinking problem <laughs> and he's crazy. <laughs> he's legitimately yeah. crazy. He turned the computer system into like five different personalities of himself. And that's all he had to be with for a well, long time. <laughs> honestly, I'm going to tell you that was one of my bright spots it was cool. of the show. It was, it was pretty cool. But nonetheless, <laughs> it's like, that was pretty out there and made up. It was for <laughs> sure. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Yeah, they went out of their way to not let this be a Next Generation sequel because you can just feel that they wanted it to be their show. They didn't want it to be a show that they were just doing that was made in the past. They wanted to kind of just take it for themselves and cut all ties. And you can just feel it with the way they portray Picard, with they portray, the way they portray all the new characters and just the sort of, no, nah, this is all new. This is not Star Trek. This is, oh, wait. Wait, is the final boss Data? Data is Noonian Data Soon number five? Okay, uh, still new because we have another Soji clone. <laughs> no, God, no. Why? Dude, when I saw that tan version of her, oh, the evil one, I was God. dying. Dude. <laughs> so bad. Oh my god. <laughs> you just look at you're just like you shake your head, man. You just involuntarily shake your head. <laughs> yeah, and let's talk about how easy of a turncoat she was. <laughs> Dude, that whole series was building up like I'll never be like I'll never be the destroyer. I'm I'm never I'm I'm not I'm not like that. <laughs> and then like at the final two episodes, this chick just meets her other evil half and they're just like, nah, a dog, I had this vision, like this is how it has to be. Oh, you're right, totally. Uh-huh. <laughs> and even Picard like points out, it's just like, so you're just gonna be the destroyer, like you said you weren't gonna be, and she's just like, Yep. <laughs> it, it, it's like the writers flaunted at you like they want you to know that they know that you know how bad this is and they don't give a fuck (laughs) that's how the writing feels especially at the end because the end was a certain kind of fucked up the whole arc with fucking the the Vulcan Narek 
or the Romulan yeah. narrative. Soy, soy boy Romulan. <laughs> Not even like it's like a soy boy, like based on like nineteen sixties British guy, like but of like a Romulan operative that has no testosterone whatsoever. <laughs> you're just like watching this, and you're like, wait a second, am I watching the Vampire Diaries or am I watching Star Trek? What is happening right now? Well, I want to know how his his sister that has no muscle mass beats him up so much. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Because she has did magical she, woman powers. Yeah, did she get the super soldier serum and he didn't? Like, was he not the chosen one? <laughs> that really oddened me. I, like, especially before she displayed any power and he was just kind of, like, afraid of her. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> did she beat him in his sleep or something? <laughs> Never get an explanation on that, ever. It's, nope. It's just like, oh, well, you know, the Vat Vash is an all-female romulan witch cult that worships this hole in the ground that apparently gives them a vision of machine gods coming to wipe them out if they have any androids whatsoever which leads them to push the android into the the whole thing is ridiculous like they're so so what you're telling me is that this vision is actually what caused you to to make this happen because if what you did didn't happen Soji would have never made it there. None of this shit would have happened. <laughs> would have never known. Oh, well, it, well, it, th- th- that, that's kind of like the plot hole, right? Because they think initially they're hunting Soji and Dodge, right? Because they think that if they don't awaken them and they can tail them, they can get the location of the planet where they all come from, right? Mm-hmm. And they think that's they think that's pretty much the prophecy. Like they're gonna turn and become like some powerful race. I, I forget how the vision exactly portrayed. You, not until the very end do you literally see the vision and what it means. But uh, like pretty much seven of the ten episodes, you're just thinking that oh, they just want to get to this planet and destroy all of them, right? But when you get there, you find out there's actually a whole different, like, crazy alien race that you never really see. You see a couple of tentacles that look crazy coming mm-hmm. out of a portal. And that's it. And they didn't look like machine gods to me. No. They look like they look like some fucking hellscape fucking mm-hmm. cyber demon shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Something out of Doom Eternal or uh, Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. So in the end, it kind of seemed like the portal was the, or the message was the means for this, these demons to come in to earth. It wasn't actually the robots. The message was just pretty much saying, Hey, if you have robots, <laughs> this message applies to you and we're going to trick yeah. you into opening this portal. <laughs> and, and when you take a step back and you look at this whole plot line, you're like, well, wait a second. This is a storyline of an Aqua Teen hunger force episode, not a star Trek television series. <laughs> What's going on here? I could to- I could totally see Master Shake just seeing that portal just opening up in the sky and then it closing and he's like, that's it? <laughs> Unbelievable. It's the spike and bounces. Oh, man. I actually thought the character of Soji was interesting and it had promise, but A, the writing was just bad, so it was never going to happen. But B, the actress that plays Soji... Is she not, like, the worst actress you've seen in years? I can't remember the last time I saw any actor or actress that I just... 
viscerally hated like her, with the exception of Allison Pill, who's also in this show. Who's Allison Pill? She plays uh, Dr. Gerardi. The blonde chick who looks like she has, like, just a slight bit of autism. Like, not fully, but she, like, kind of just has, like, her eyes are really close together. She kind of has that look where you're like, "Mm, you just barely made it, didn't you? Like, you escaped hell with one finger on the cliff, but you made it. She has a smile, like, she'll rip your dick off when you're Mm. out. Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) This Ironically, I think this is Allison Pill's best role. I don't think that she's ever done better in anything other than Picard, but that's not really saying much because everything else I've seen her in, which includes a, a sci-fi show called Devs, and it also includes uh, uh, The Newsroom, uh, which is the first thing I saw her in. She's obnoxious in The Newsroom, and she's just nothing in Devs. Like She's just, just bad. And I was actually surprised. I actually didn't mind her in Picard. And when I first started watching Picard, I was dreading her character because I knew she was in it. And I was just like, oh, God, she's ruined the show for me. No, she didn't. Everything else did. That is that's, that is pretty funny <laughs> because I didn't really mind her either. I only know her from Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Oh, I forgot she was in that. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. She actually was pretty funny in that, too. She was just a fucking pretty much a crude bitch <laughs> that dr- was the drummer for the band <laughs> that's dude i totally didn't realize that was her she was good in scott pilgrim yeah yeah not bad anyway well she's she's pretty good in this uh soji is not i i just can't even believe how bad soji is seven of nine is definitely the best strong woman character in the show like if you had to pick a strong woman you're going seven count. of nine because she, she doesn't count she's like ellen ripley from Alien. Like, she just, yeah. she's grandfathered in, or grandmothered in. Excuse me. I think me, what happened was, is they put together all these female characters, and they're like, all these women are weak. One's a drug addict that has no family relationship going on. <laughs> the other one is a psychopath that uh, had her lover abandon her for some weird synth project, and was then shown a sign of the end of the world, and then told that she had to murder him. Anyways, there's <laughs> that girl, and... Who else am I missing? Um, am I missing anybody? Is this the t- only two women on the ship for the main most part? Uh, well, yeah, it's Doctor Gerardi, Seven of Nine, and Rafi are the yeah. the women. So the yeah, crew. so when they when they looked at them on paper, they're like, "Fuck, we need." Some. <laughs> they just took Seven of Nine. They're like, "Well, she's a strong character. We don't even try." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, character actor still alive, perfect. She still looks gorgeous, awesome, <laughs> and she still remembers her character too. She she, does. she acted the character differently, but what you would expect differently with the age, uh, the amount of time supposed that's supposed to have happened before the end of Voyager and the beginning of this show, like the amount of time that passed, you would expect her to act the way she's acting and she knows the character and she's acting it well the opposite of picard where when you when you go through this show and you see the way picard kind of bumbles his way through it you do not ever get a real sense that he is john luke picard ever yeah like i said it was like a clone who didn't know how to act (laughs) exactly and Man, an- another uh, kind of whiff, I think, on the fucking, well, can't call it a whiff. 
Another uh, bad aspect of the cameos is Brent Spiner. I did not like that character. I didn't like his portrayal of it. I didn't, it felt super tacked on like, hey, we got to put a Dr. Soong in the show so that Data can show up as not Data because we want him. That's exactly what it was. Oh, it felt so bad. And I swear to God, Brent Spiner's heart was not in it. Fuck no, dude. He was cruise control. I wouldn't be surprised if he had a heavy buzz going into those uh, filming sessions. He did not seem to have any worries and had no emphasis in anything he did. For sure. I mean, everyone just wanted to see a majority of the crew come back together. You know, some people doesn't don't have to come back, but you could have given a reason why they weren't showing up. They could have still been in the series, you know. It could have been done a lot more proper. And instead of having this whole new cast that in a 10 episode series, they're trying to give these characters the importance and depth of characters that were built over. How many seasons of generations were there? 12. There were seven seasons and four movies. Okay. Okay. Well, seven seasons at least. So, I mean, how can you, I just don't see how anyone can approach a series like that and think it's a good idea. And they have all these assets available. This is ridiculous. It is. It is very ridiculous. And it's just a, it's Alex Kurtzman. <laughs> like we, we can't really emphasize that enough. This is all his footprint. He, he does this to everything. He has no nuance with the way he tells stories. It's always catastrophe with unlikely resolving arc that makes no sense in the end, that invalidates the beginning of the storyline. That's what he does in everything, and he did it in this show too. The ending here is ridiculous. We have this arc where Picard is sick, and he is going out into space. He dies in the end, and conveniently, there is just this perfect Picard android clone body that they just are conveniently ready to load his consciousness in as soon as he dies but for some reason it's exactly the same age and looks exactly the same as his human body which is literally impossible and they just made him have all the same problems as an old guy in his android body for reasons because yeah, if you wanted still, to be if stupid. if you wanted to be an android and you wanted to live forever and you wanted your consciousness put into it, you want it to be in some decrepit piece of shit android body that's programmed to die in a few years. <laughs> what? The funniest part was is when they didn't tell him. He's like, "Am I immortal?" And they're like, "No, we pretty much programmed you to live about the same amount you would have lived if you didn't have the natural brain." abnormality ab- <laughs> that yeah. you did. It's like, that doesn't make any sense because that's natural. So he's supposed to have that. Mm-hmm. That means that's how long he was supposed to live. Yep, exactly. But yet you're saying it doesn't make any fucking sense. No, and it, it was the final take. It was the final part of the takedown of Picard, which is what Star Trek Picard season one is. It should just be called the takedown of Picard. And it ends with him just being totally punked in this decrepit android body that he's just like supposed to smile and accept. And of course he does like a good slave. <laughs> he doesn't have any, any response to it. Like, wait, wait, what the fuck? Like, you couldn't just give me a normal android body. Uh, am I not good enough for that? <laughs> he's like, yep, that sounds about right. I'll die in four more years. Engage. God damn it. I'll do one more season, I guess, because they paid me enough. 
Oh, uh, I, I like the the orchid weapons, though. They didn't make any fucking sense, which is a core theme of the show. But the orchid <laughs> weapons were really cool. <laughs> Even like... <laughs> It's so funny, too, because they even acted like they didn't know what they were, too. When they got down on the planet, they're like, whoa, so how many more of those orchids do you have? We're going to need a lot. And they all kind of just looked at each other and were like, we have about 15. And they're like, well, we're going to need a lot more in two days or whatever. And they all just looked at each other like, who makes them? (laughs) There was nobody. There was was no resolve to that at all. There was, don't worry, we can at least get this many more or, you know, we can go ask this person to see what the solution is. There was none of that. Everyone just looked at each other and they're like, I guess we're fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. So so basically everything we've been talking about in this little clown boat session we've been discussing is all in the final two episodes of the show. And it's, we're, we're not even halfway done with the clown boat action of these final two episodes. Eventually, the Romulan fleet comes <laughs> to this planet. Which I thought they didn't have any ships. No. they. What they, happened? They had <laughs> no ships, but apparently they had a fleet that's, like, bigger than the Dominion's fleet at, like, the the battle at Cardassia Prime. Before. Like, like, it's just, like, the size of, like, the most massive fleet you've ever seen after you're supposed to believe they had nothing. And, uh, oh, by the way, all the ships are the exact same ship. They yeah. literally copy and pasted one ship a thousand times to make this so fleet. sad. It is so sad. And oh, Same by the way, for Starfleet too. Is, yep. As Riker, uh, spoiler alert: Riker shows up. Is he piloting the Enterprise? No, he's piloting some. What was it like the Jiang Cheng? Oh, yeah, wow. some some Chinese fucking propaganda. Name. It was crazy to hear that. I'm like, wow. So, so, so away with the USS Enterprise, which was always a patriotic symbol in Star Trek, because the USS Enterprise, there's a lot of history with it. it was a, it's a real ship that that is considered kind of like a hero ship of the U.S. Navy. Okay, none of that. We're going with the Zhongguang Kung or whatever the fuck that is, and uh, Riker is very happy to be there and tell, I'm going to kick all your butts if you don't get out of here. It was like the cringiest line I've ever heard. Like, why are you going to do Riker like that? You had this great bottle episode with him and Troy where he's making pizza in the forest. Everything's great. That was yep. great. And then you you do this shit. You bring him in with a, oh, uh, by the way, another copy and pasted fleet. His ship is the same as every other ship in the identical <laughs> formation as the Romulan fleet. It's like they couldn't even change the spacing between the ships and the fleets. It's just a copy-paste. Oh my god, this is embarrassing. The same show that brought you the Dominion War, which had some of the most amazing space-based b- fleet battles in the history of television and cinema, period. Brings you this, a copy and pasted ship on each side with a dopey captain making retarded schoolyard threats that a five-year-old might be embarrassed by making. Wow. No shit. And let's not forget that the whole premise of the series was based on the fact that there weren't enough ships to sink. <laughs> All right. That's when I hit that home. Are you saying there are plot holes in Star Trek Picard season one? <laughs> <laughs> when I saw all those Romulan fucking cruisers, it's like unfucking believable. <laughs> mm. These guys just like bounce on the rest of their fucking species, or <laughs> this is a plot hole. 
Oh, it's a mate. It's a there's so many plot holes. <sighs> okay, let's just you know we're on topic plot holes, so let's just get this fucking over with. Most of the plots in this movie go nowhere and vanish as soon as you think you'll get an answer. In this show, they claim Romulans don't deal in artificial life. Yet, there is quotes from Next Generation episodes where they talk about Romulan cyberneticists. So they've already established that Romulans do deal in artificial life, but apparently we're just going to ignore the show that this is based on and is a sequel to. Eh, that doesn't matter. I can't even believe some of this. They present Picard and Data as best friends, right? Would you say that? Like, the way they portray them in Picard? You would think that Data and Picard were, like, fucking roommates. Like, they fucking bunked together. Like, they fucking went on vacation together. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. I and- personally remember when they thought Data was dead and Picard was just like... <laughs> Replacements. I need. I need recommendation for a replacement bot. <laughs> Cold blooded. Picard and Data were not friends. At best, they were work acquaintances that barely liked each other slightly. They were not friends. Data and Jordy were friends. Picard was not really friends with anyone on the crew of the Next Generation, except for Beverly Crusher. I was about to say. <laughs> and Guinan. Whoopi Goldberg from Ten Ford, who is not in Picard, by the way, which I found surprising. I really thought they were going to get Whoopi Goldberg in that, and they did not. Probably season two. Either way, Picard and Data were not best friends. This whole fucking bullshit portrayal of them being like gone with the wind, lost lovers is so bad. And any single fan who watched The Next Generation knows this. They know it. And you're just... You're supposed to just pretend like it didn't happen, just like with the Romulan cyberneticists. So they kill Picard in the end. They turn him into an android that it it just looks like, okay, I'm like uh, fucking Soji now, right? So we have these androids that are humans. We have no explanation as to why they're humans. Every android in the past was cybernetic, data cybernetic, uh, evil Soji, I'm assuming, is cybernetic, although we never get proof of that. All of a sudden, there's this breakthrough, and we have androids that are humans. So, like, are they really humans? Like, in every way? Because in this show, they basically just say, eh, she's a human, she's an android, but, you know, she's a human, so uh, deal with it, and we're just going to move on. And that's what they end up turning Picard into, too. He's not a robot. Like, you would think, like, Data is. He's a Soji human android. Absolutely no explanation for this. It's just like, "Mm, move along. Again, another Alex Kurtzman special. He does not want to ever give you any explanation for any of the dumb shit he does. Yeah. Well, I think they all are, like, next-level synths on that planet, even if they are. I think being tan and having their their contacts out is just a sign of them being on on their home planet. But remember uh, Rios, uh, the evil chick, what's her name, on the planet? She had a sister that was Mm -hmm. the one that got killed by the captain that killed himself after, you know, after he got the message or whatever, you know, all that. But nonetheless, that means that that synth that got killed along with the other dude, they looked human, remember? Mm-hmm. So, right. I think they're all human, human looking. I think they're just next gen synths. 
Yeah. And again, no explanation for this breakthrough. No, like, nope. no, any sort of like, this well, they is give how you a this hint. could happen. They give you the tiniest hint at the very beginning. They're just like, oh, this person ran away. What's his name? Maddox or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maddox runs away and he's been hiding somewhere for so long. And somehow he's made this breakthrough with. Alton Carn- Soon. Alton Soon. Dr. Alton Soon. That guy is. It, so they set it up to be like, oh, that's where these synths came from. And then they don't tell you at all how the breakthrough happened. At all. There's mm. just a whole planet of them. So why did she know to go to Picard? Data's memories she inherited. Okay. But barely any of them are going to contain Picard. Most of them are going to contain Jordy and his cat. He's going to have way more en- <laughs> fucking memories of his cat than Picard. So, so it, 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 this explanation for why she went to Picard makes no sense whatsoever. And then we have Soji's fake mom who calls her while she's on the Borg cube. We yeah. end up finding later that she has no mom. So clearly this mom is just like an AI, like yeah, that's what it is. character that's yeah. programmed. Okay, then why did she know to talk about Picard and tell her to go to Picard. That's very true. Well, I mean, Maddox and uh, whatever the fuck that guy's name, I keep on forgetting his name. <laughs> they they may have programmed that in there. I'm not sure. But here's the thing. If she's an android, why don't you just program it into her? Why do you have to have a fake mom? Like, why don't you just have a button that gets pressed or whatever? The same thing that would trigger this mom conversation. Just fucking turn a switch in her brain. Like, it makes no sense. Yeah. Well, I think that's what awakened her. I think that was part of the triggering process. Like, because she awoke in a little bit and then she called her mom freaking out and then her mom, like, fully woke her. Right. But, like, if she's really an android, instead of a mom, you could have just had, like, white noise that does some beeps that activates something in <laughs> oh, her yeah, brain. Dude. You know what I'm saying? It like, would have been way cooler if she was a sleeper cell Jason Bourne style fucking thing. It would have been way ten it, times fucking yeah. cooler. <laughs> the, whole, the whole fake mom thing makes no sense whatsoever. It, it just felt really contrived. And I think that this is one of the worst takes on artificial life I've ever seen in my life. I think that if if you put every movie and television show that's dealt with robots, androids, artificial intelligence, blah, 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 all of it, this is the worst portrayal of it I've ever seen. What do you think? Can you think of one worse? Uh, Probably not. I'm sure there's something on Sci-Fi Channel that would be okay. worse, though. <laughs> Listen, if you want a good take on artificial life, watch Westworld, not this. This is not it. No it shit. It is so bad that... It's embarrassing at times. And then the show ends with this Assemble the Crew montage that features Seven of Nine and Rafi making out, <laughs> setting them up as a lesbian couple. <laughs> and, and it's like it's just like this jump cut, like a camera zooming out and just showing them all kind of do it in like choreographed succession as the camera. And they like all approach at the same time. And it shows them on the bridge. And of course, Picard does his... Uh, they let him out of his cage. All right, old man, you can do your line. <laughs> <laughs> so shallow, dude. Oh man. Yeah, this is this is not this is not a Star Trek show. Current day politics just ham fisted into the storyline like the, the all androids to the gulag plot. How does that make sense? You're trying to say this is the prime universe. 
not the alternate JJ universe. And you're going to tell me that the Federation went from just like the most goody two shoe bullshit I've ever seen in my life to fucking all sins must die. No shit. All sins must die. And, uh, pretty much condemn Picard for trying to save a species. <laughs> yeah. No, no investigation before you just declare that just fucking robots are bad. It's like, okay. I cringed almost every single episode. I fell asleep. I was watching the series as I was going to sleep every night. Yeah. And it was just like, I would just like be falling asleep and then I'd just like kind of be woken up from some of the shit I said. I'm like, hey, really? Just fucking say that? <laughs> I like the overall plot if it was just written well and had good acting, but it, it was totally squandered. Like, I, the idea of the Romulans taking this Borg cube and like trying to like research AI while also claiming to never participate in AI to try and prevent these machine gods from showing up. There is some coolness with like the way that's all set up, but it just goes nowhere. Of course. I mean, the fact when I saw that they were calling it Star Trek Picard, how else can you, how else can you put it? It's just like, yeah, Come watch it. It has your favorite mm. character. In it. <laughs> we know because it says Star Trek Picard. But some tells me because it's so obvious that it's gonna suck. <laughs> like you're saying, it's you know. I think I already used this analogy before, but it, when I see shit like this, it reminds me of Vincent D'Onofrio in Men in Black. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fucking alien walking around in human skin. And it's just like, that's not convincing. All right. I don't know how you're fucking fooling anybody right now, but this is not Star Trek Picard. It says it's Star Trek Picard, but this is not even a Star Trek series. No, it's, it's some w- weird action sci-fi yep. that you're just trying to claim is it has Star Trek elements in it. If they didn't say that some of those weapons were phasers, if they didn't have some of the iconic characters in there, the the whole series would stand on its own as a shitty sci-fi. The only reason it's even remotely good is they have Seven of Nine and John Luke Picard, Riker, and yeah. I don't think there was anybody else that was from the original uh, series. Oh, but Hugh. It, Hugh. The Borg. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, so Hugh. But it's... <laughs> If you took all those people out, you wouldn't even and just took out key terms. Like if they didn't, if they were in the cube, for instance, if they never actually showed the exterior of the cube and they were just inside the cube and they said it was an alien ship and they just didn't say Borg, it wouldn't even look like the original set. No, I mean, did you think the inside of that ship looked like the 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 inside the Borg from like the movies in the series? Didn't no, no, it it didn't at all. Man, oh, that's man. what I'm saying, man. It was it's like a different series, but they're just using a couple characters from a different another series to make it popular. <laughs> that's exactly what they're doing, and that's why I thought it was funny that they started off with Picard with the MacGuffin syndrome because I was like, oh, okay, that's perfect. They're using Picard to build an audience. They're going to kill him off at the end of the first season, and they're going to have their strong woman Soji as the lead character from then on. But then I thought, well, they wouldn't call it Star Trek Picard then if that's what it was going to be. They would have a more like non-specific title. So then I was like, wait a second, so how is he not going to die then? And then you get to the end, and it's like the most loser, shitty, boring way you could possibly end him not dying happens with his fake death. So disappointing. It was the one thing I was looking forward to. I was like, well, at least they won't be able to 
fucking dig him up from the grave, or could they? <laughs> but they took yeah. that away from us. <laughs> they took away the only thing we could have an end to it all. <laughs> yep, I know. It would have been... I think it would have actually made me like the show a bit more if it ended with it was only a one season show and they weren't trying to act like there's gonna be season two and Picard did actually die in a meaningful way in the end that actually was well written and had a good plot to it but we didn't get any of that it is quite the opposite fuck no that being said broadcaster Nichols what do you think the best episode of season one was where um John Luke and Soji were on the run and they went to that planet where uh, Riker and what's her name was was that? I think that was episode seven. I think it was that episode, or um, actually, I think one of the better uh, the other better episodes was the one where Rios and Picard and Seven of Nine um, all go down to that gambling planet. What is it? What's it called? Free Free Fall or whatever? Yeah, it was like. Uh... I forget the title of some like trouble in Stardust City or something like that. It had some like kind of that was probably the most that was probably the most Star Trek esque episode. It actually had a mission. There's some goofy elements to it. There was a villain. You know, (laughs) they made Picard they made Picard look ridiculous, but I enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty funny. Uh, My favorite episode. Uh, I'll give it first. I'll give an honorable mention to the Riker Troy bottle episode. It was my second favorite, and it's pretty close to my favorite. It just had like the good vibes. It was well written. The actors actually portrayed their characters well. It almost felt like uh, John Luke sort of remembered Picard for a second in that episode. Like being around Troy and Riker reminded him of what his character was. I don't know if it was just my imagination or not, but I felt like he was at his best in that episode with the character. I mean, seeing Riker command Alexa at home <laughs> was just like one of the things I didn't know I needed in my life. <laughs> it's like, this guy makes me want an Alexa, but I know it's not that cool. <laughs> yeah, just like socialism. It's really cool in Star Trek, but uh, in real life, the fine print's a little different. Smudge. <laughs> but my actual favorite episode is called Broken Pieces. And this is the episode where uh, Seven of Nine and Elnor go to rescue Hugh on the Borg Cube. And this is the episode where Hugh dies. He's killed by the strong woman partner of Narek. I forget what her name is, but pretty uh, hot. She she is, and I actually liked her acting. I thought her acting was really good. Her character was just written like shit. So I think she actually did good with what she had. But anyway, I like this episode beginning to end, but the reason it's my favorite episode is because for a few glorious seconds, we saw Seven of Nine become the Borg Queen. And that, to me, was <laughs> worth the entire ten episodes of shit I had to sit through just to get that one... 30-second scene of greatness. So, such a shame it ended. I know. It would have been way cooler if, like, when she was, when Elnor was like, so are you just going to kill me now? She just turned to him, <laughs> and they just started sailing the cube off into the galaxy, you know? It was just, like, to be continued with that one. That would have oh, been way cooler. That would have been game-changing. You... Yeah. <laughs> Instead, she gives up ultimate power. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was depressing, uh, but also one of the greatest things I've seen in any Star Trek made in like the last twenty years. Like, if For I'm sure. being really honest, there aren't a lot of moments I can think of from the year two thousand to the year twenty twenty that were as cool as that in Star Trek. So worth it for me. Totally the best episode for me. That being said, what do you think is the worst episode? Because there's a lot to choose from. Mm, I think it's the last episode, to be honest. Ooh. I think the last episode is just such a a letdown on so many levels. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> like it didn't it didn't give you anything that original Star Trek fans wanted, and it didn't even really give you a good closure to the new story they had going on. Like none of it is just lame. It was in so this tower to open a hole. And at the last minute, Soji's just convinced like, Oh, well, Patrick Stewart's dying now. So lame dude. Oh my God. He was trying to tell you as a friend, the whole series. And you're like, supposedly love him. You know, the kid Riker's kid was like, you know, Picard could be your dad, and she's like pretty much had that moment where you're like, you know, you're right. I guess I'm gonna go, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> treat him like a father or something. And then the moment she meets the rest of those sins, that evil bitch was just like, nah, dude, we gotta do it like this. We gotta build this tower. <laughs> and she's just like, yep, let's do it. <laughs> and Picard's <laughs> like, nah, don't do that. And she's like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> it's just so lame. <laughs> oh man, it's so true. I, I was so disappointed. <laughs> for yeah, for me, uh, at Arcadia or whatever the stupid title part two is, uh, would in, be in my top three worst episodes of the season for sure. Which is weird because typically I usually love finales. Usually finales don't disappoint me. Even in bad shows, usually the finale is good at least. But in this case, the finale is one of the worst parts. But <laughs> part I of me just wish that portal opened up all the way and the fucking whole universe got yeah. eviscerated. <laughs> yeah, it probably would have been best if it took a Rick and Morty route and just like Cthulhu came out and just swallowed everything and it was just the end. That yeah. might have been the best possible thing that could have happened, but it didn't. Uh, my least favorite episode, I'm going to say the worst episode of season one is called Maps and Legends. It is episode two of season one. And this is a remarkably boring episode. This is an episode where nothing happens. Literally nothing happens. You go from beginning to end, and you can clearly say that you could have cut episode two out of the show and went straight from one to three, and no one would have noticed. Two is just when he was recruiting Ralphie, right? That that and uh, like some generic like let's go investigate uh, first Soji's room where her boyfriend died and like do this dumb Minority Report shit that no one's buying. Oh yeah, it, it it had nothing going on, like absolutely no point whatsoever, other than to just establish the fact that Picard is no longer the man. This episode tells you Picard <laughs> is done. He has been flatlined. This is Femtrek, and we no longer have a need for a strong male role model like John Luke Picard. It's, it's true. It was, it's just so bloody obvious like how many women were in that series. I was, I was like thrown back every episode at how many women they were just adding into the series. I'm just like, wow. Like (laughs) it was like Mitt Romney. Remember Mitt Romney had a binder full of women. He fucking threw it at Alex Kurtzman. And that's what Star Trek Picard is. 
This is so insane. Like some of them were good actors. A lot, most of them weren't. But it was just, it, it's just like, what the fuck is going on here? You have four. You got four characters played by the same woman, and none got, of them are acted well. Yeah, not a single of them. Not one. <laughs> then you got. Then you got Commander O. Oh God. I, I think, forgot about her. Dude, there's so much bad to talk about in the show that we've gone like an hour and a half and we haven't talked about Commander O yet. <laughs> oh my god. Commander O, uh-oh. How the hell does she get a fucking role in this goddamn show, dude? I honestly have <laughs> no idea. I swear that picture of her with those glasses on before she's about to give uh, Allison Pill's character uh, <laughs> the, the vision. She just appears behind her with those big gargoyle glasses on. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, did you let this bitch walk on stage with her own personal glasses on? Did she forget she had her shades on when she was shooting the scene or something? They're like, fuck it. It looks good. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, her entire character arc was pointless and stupid. And again, it was just, well, we're going to throw another strong woman here for reasons and we're gonna have no explanation for any of her character attributes how she became where she is in the most suspicious manner possible you're telling me that at the very top of the federation leadership you have the the Quan Chi version of the Tal Shiar out there <laughs> fucking controlling. I want to know how a fucking Romulan became commander of the fucking Starfleet how did, so let me get this straight <laughs> First, first, the first point: no ships, right? Not enough ships. So Picard's in trouble for using some of his ships to save some Romulans from dying, right? That upsets Starfleet. Starfleet's like, "What the fuck, dog? Like, you can't do that. Like, what about us? What about us? You know." Meanwhile, let's elect a Romulan to one of the like the second highest fucking position in Starfleet, and then the moment. The moment some shady shit happens on Mars, they're like, nah, couldn't be the Romulans. No fucking way. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. Oh, it's, and that, it's so bad. And that, that fucking other, the, the main Starfleet chick, the chick with an anger issue, the one that flips the table at any sign of fucking resistance. <laughs> oh, the one who's like, like, she's like, shut the fuck up to Picard. Yeah, like, dude. she's going to fucking rip his dick off. I was like, whoa, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. Again, not a kid's show. We're no longer in watch the show with your family territory. The way that it's not even like the swear words. It's like the crassness behind the swearing. that's just jarring. Like, what? She, she honestly, that chick looked like she didn't even want to be on the show. Like she was like her husband, <laughs> yeah, like her husband's like in charge of like getting roles filled or something, and they couldn't fill this one, and it was really like, didn't pay well or something. And they're like, get this, and she's just like, fucking god damn it. And she every line she had was filled with malice. <laughs> it funny. was. She was probably the best uh, actor or actress in the entire show, but it was all like hatred. Like she, she was hot around the collar, man. <laughs> she was for sure. Uh, Wow. Yeah. Who, who, I know there's some other women we're missing. I mean, there's there's too I many mean, to count. It's yeah, full. But what's her name? Fucking uh, Soy Boy's sister. 
fucking <laughs> you oh, know yeah. what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like overly violent too. Like, and she doesn't even know like why she's violent. Like her character seems like indifferent sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes she's like, I'm just gonna fucking beat this little pe- pipsqueak brother I have. He's a little piece of shit. And then other times it's just like I love you. We just don't understand each other. We must go our separate ways. Oh, it's God. just like I know. It's like if you just wrote that character with a little bit of subtlety, it would have helped so much. But you can just is another Alex Kurtzman special. His villains have to be mean for the sake of being mean, over the top, and nonsensical. And that's exactly how they wrote her. It's like like you said, it'll be like one minute you're just like beating him up and the next like maybe we should go uh Jamie Lannister on this bitch. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're just like, what is happening here? Like there's no consistency. She's so over the top. For what reason? She's supposedly trying to save the universe from these robot gods. And, the, like, <laughs> according to the plot line of this this television show, she's a good guy. Yeah, and, she's actually and, the good guy. <laughs> but they portray her like a villain from a cartoon from the 40s. Like, it's well, just like... They portray her like you know how the last few episodes are going to go. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you don't yeah. know. Up to the point, you're like, well, it sounds like she's trying to stop something that's pretty important. <laughs> Maybe you mm-hmm. should help her. I don't know. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's all <laughs> subterfuge. They, like, don't want you to know that it, it just doesn't work, though. And it, there's no subtlety in the writing. Like, everything is over the top in one way or another. You see it in the sw- constant swearing. You see it in the portrayals of the characters. You have Picard just at the bottom, bottom rung. And you have, like, Soji portrayed like she's uh, Sarah Connor from Terminator. Like it's just, That seems to be a prevailing archetype in Hollywood right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it just sucks. And uh, that being said, let's get to our segment... The hit, and the (laughs) broadcaster Nichols. There's not a lot of hits in this show, but I know you have at least one, right? What's your hit? I mean, it's going to be Riker. Riker was the hit. (laughs) Yep. He's the only one in the whole series that acted like he knew what he was fucking doing. He's like, like when I could tell when the phone call happened, he got called. He's like, fuck yeah, I've been wanting to play Riker for like a long time. Everyone else was just like, fuck, I guess. Yep, exactly. Very true. Uh, yeah, my hit is the same as yours. Uh, the Riker Troy bottle episode, it, it just brought you back to actual star trek for one episode <laughs> broadcaster nichols what is your miss the captain himself man john Ooh. that was a character miss and a half bro just wasn't it just it was just a terrible portrayer portrayal of his character it was a betrayal uh, I, yeah i was gonna say you i think you just coined a new term a portrayer <laughs> like <laughs> i think that's exactly what happened <laughs> with this character <laughs> Yeah, I just I couldn't think of a bigger miss in the series than the man himself. You're right. I mean, there's plenty of misses. Don't get me wrong. Lots of them. Yeah, yeah. lots to choose from. Uh, That is a big one. Uh, My miss is the set design for the spaceships. We kind of touched on it with the Borg Cube a little bit earlier. These all the spaceship sets were just bad. They were fake looking. They looked like they were either CG green screen. Or just really bad actual sets. And I can't tell the difference with the Borg. That was the one where I couldn't tell if it was CG or just really bad sets. But with uh, Reyes' ship, the 
the ship that they're on, the hero ship, quote unquote, I swear to Christ, that's a green screen. I don't think any of that ship is real. Like when you see them on the bridge, I think the only thing real is that bridge and everything behind them is a CG. Oh, totally. Horrible. For sure. Like the backdrop with the huge open hangar and the stairs going down the middle. Yeah, that's that's definitely green screen. I have no doubt. Yeah, it's it's bad. And like the way that they show that ship, they never in the next generation. The Enterprise was like this living object. Like you saw them going through different rooms, different hallways, different decks, different cargo bays, different levels of the bridge, everything, engineering, all these things like these were real breathing sets. Mm -hmm. These ships have no sets. They have one set. And then a green screen in the background. That's it. There is no, like, watching Picard and Soji walk down a hall having a conversation as they approach a room to have a meeting with the rest of the people. It goes from, we're at the bridge, and then cut, hard cut, we're in a room that's a set. There's there's no actual ships in this show. There are no ships. There's, there's green screens and little rooms, and it fucking sucks, and that is my miss. Yeah, for sure. I was kind of be, I was going to like kind of be what my ugly is, you know, my ugly is, or sorry, my whiff. <laughs> How dare you, broadcast? <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> we spent so much time in R&D with this title. Just kind of pulled back the curtain there a little bit. But all right. Don't ignore the monkey on the crank. <laughs> but anyways, I think the, the whiff was the aesthetic, particularly of the board cube. That was the first time I actually noticed it. But you bringing it up kind of made me realize that the whole series was kind of lacking in a way. Some of the ter- like actual terrain on the planets were cool. But as far as space goes, the Borg Cube really stood out to me. It just I was like, oh, so, as, soon, as soon as I saw them going the Borg Cube, I was excited. You had so much hope in your yeah. heart. And then I <laughs> got in. I couldn't, I couldn't immediately say it. I was like, why is what's going on? Wait a minute. Wait a minute, this isn't the Borg Cube. <laughs> it's a totally different set almost. Yeah. It's- There's no detail in it. Like the original Borg Cubes, I mean, all Borg Cubes up until this television show had like this fine detail in the walls where you just like see circuitry and all this stuff everywhere. And then this is just like plain, flat, opaque black walls with like some generic green glowing light to make it, oh, it's the Borg. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was very lackluster. Yeah. I, and they didn't explain it at all. I thought I was like, maybe it's because it's deactivated. It's like in this dormant state and nothing's alive, you know, but didn't change when seven and nine connected to the cube. Some shit lit up, but I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I know they kind of like said the cubes alive in a way. And maybe it's like just in some weird hyper or uh, uh, hibernation, but I don't know. That's me giving them far too much of a break. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I think you picked your whiff quite well. And th- there's a few whiffs to choose from as there were misses. Uh, my whiff is the vision of the machine gods. So there's this little cutscene that happens that is the original sin. It's what brings this whole storyline to begin to end. It's this vision of robot aliens from a different universe invading and just liquefying everyone, just destroying everything, just eliminating everything in the universe. It's supposed to be this horrifying scene. And guess what, people? None of that was actually 
really made for Star Trek. That was all a collection of generic sci-fi videos that are available online for anyone to buy the rights to. They just bought the rights to like 10 uh, generic videos on the internet. They pieced them together. They photoshopped Data's face into one of the androids. Are you serious? I am dead fucking serious. This is all stock footage, Broadcaster Nichols. What? The, the most important scene, that just what defines the entire storyline, it is stock footage. And That's I have, sad. I have seen the proof of this. I've actually went to the website and looked at all of these stock footages, and you can literally like put them side by side and just say, oh, this is the exact same thing. They just changed this color tone a little bit. And in this one, it's like, oh, it's the same thing. They just pasted Data's face on a generic Android robot. It's all bullshit. They couldn't bring themselves to make their own original content for this critical story component. They had to go out and get stock footage like they had no budget i forgive someone who does this if they have a budget of a hundred dollars okay yeah you couldn't do that do what you want do that do what you gotta do these fuckers had so much money you can smell it in the production values of this show you know they paid the fuck out of picard these guys had money and they chose they they chose to cut a corner so crucial and in a way that's just a meme it's a fucking meme. That's so funny. Dude. And not only is this my whiff of this review, I'm going to go on the record and say, I think this is going to be the biggest whiff I ever talk about in the history of the Crack Seller podcast. I doubt I will ever find a bigger whiff than this. Oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> <laughs> then again, there's always Picard Season 2. Yeah, okay, so, uh, there you go. <laughs> predictions, Broadcaster Nichols. What clown boat operation do you think will partake in next? <laughs> uh, I already, I just, I my brain immediately went to these ideas, and the first thing I landed on was probably most likely <laughs> going to happen. The search to make data again. <laughs> That's probably what it's going to be. How can we bring data back from the void? We, <laughs> I don't know. Something like that. Or yep. or it's just going to be uh, Picard and friends. I think that's what it's really going to be. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're going to have like a, like a huge catastrophe... I mean, who knows, man? It, it depends it on if Alex Kurtzman's still involved. Yeah, if Alex Kurtzman's still involved, I really don't see them taking it in any like significant like series way, like where a series has like an, an idea of where it's going to be in three seasons or whatever. If they do, I would probably say they're going to probably bring a, the Borg into it a little bit because the Borg seem to have some type of connection with the sense, you know, with data having connection to the Borg queen and seven and nine being there and stuff like that. So it seems like the Borg is a pretty big element that they're willing to bring in. So I can see them going down that route. I really hope they don't linger on this whole Romulan business. If it's a fucking season of Romulan aftermath and them like, you know, bringing those two species together again, that would just be fucking lame. Mm. But it's probably one of those. Yeah. Uh, to me, 
I feel like the ending of season one sets this up to be just a very poor Firefly wannabe show in season two. And it kind of is in season one in certain ways, but you have like this purveying arc that they kind of have to do with Picard and with the, the space gods from an alternate dimension. They get that all over with. You would think that from here we would actually have some closure, but we really don't. We don't know who the machine gods are. They don't look like machine gods. They're probably not machine gods, but Alex Kurtzman's never going to tell us. We're, it's it's just up to our fucking imagination. Imagine what drugs they were smoking while they wrote the storyline, and that's your answer. <laughs> so here's what I think. Season two is set up with the crew. The crew is the squad. The squad is assembled, Broadcaster Nichols. It's there. We have our lesbian couple. We have a demasculated Jean-Luc Picard. We have the ninja guy there for blood and guts and lots of blade-like action scenes. And I think we're just going to have some random adventures. I think that they're going to be like, you know what? In response to everyone bitching because we have no uh, Planet of the Week, Season 2, we're going to do Planet of the Week the whole time. But it's going to be bad. And it's not going to be good planet of the week. It's going to be like fucking SJW talking point of the week. And each planet is going to be a new SJW movement. Like either something on uh, racism or sexism or intersectional transgenderism, whatever. It's going to every time it's going to be a different one. And then at the very end, right when you think you're going to get some relief from all this bullshit, they're going to double back to the machine gods out of nowhere. And you're going to be like, I'm literally in hell. <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs> it's just like, you just watch, you're just sitting there listening to some strong woman go on a rant about how Picard <laughs> needs to transition. And you're oh, like, how can this get any worse? Oh, and God. then the aliens come back. <laughs> And they're actually just a strong woman race from the future. <laughs> and only males and their toxicity describe them as a, an, a robot all-ending race that they should fear. <laughs> oh, man. I'm telling you. Look it up. <laughs> look into it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Broadcaster Nichols. Do you have any closing thoughts on Star Trek Picard? I feel like we've been kicking a dead horse for over an hour now, so we might want to just let it lie. But do you have any last parting shots to get in against this atrocity we call Picard? I hope that the people in power in Hollywood look deep, deep in their hearts and stop diddling little kids and writing <laughs> terrible, terrible sci-fi like Star Trek Picard. <laughs> All right. In whichever order, okay? Like, <laughs> you can prioritize that however you want. Just get it done. All right. It's just, I'm not asking for a lot. <laughs> just, just, goddamn. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I've said everything I need to say about this show. Uh, as someone that literally watched The Next Generation before he went to bed every night of his childhood, essentially from like age five or six up to age 13, this is a show, 
it's kind of like the FF7 remake of uh, science fiction, honestly. Like, you just have this feeling like, oh, God, I'm going to see Picard again. It's gonna, There's going to be the Enterprise. It's the Federation. We're going to have, like, the Romulans back. Like, it's all going to be back. Like, this thing from my childhood that I wanted so bad. And watching this, it was like watching the Gimp from Pulp Fiction... <laughs> rape your childhood in the ass right in front of you and i can't even describe the pain that that caused me and i'm going to hate watch season two don't get me wrong all these strong words i have i'm still like this fucking simp bitch who's gonna watch this shit again uh hopefully pirate at this time because i actually paid for cbs all access the first season because i wanted to show support for something i wanted you know i try and do that with everything i i subscribe to amazon prime for the expanse i do that with everything i want to make sure that they know hey i'm subscribing because i want to support this i don't think i'm going to do that for season two i think i'm going to torrent that bitch if you want to use this as evidence against me fbi come at me bro i have a good vpn you're not going to get me but either way this was a travesty, this is a disgrace, and that being said, Broadcaster Nichols, what is your official Joker rating for Star Trek Picard Season 1? Well, Daniel, I in the past week, in anticipation for this review, I went on a hike, and at the summit of the mountain I climbed, I went into a deep meditation, and I realized that there wasn't a low enough level for this ranking system to, to grade Star Trek Bacard. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and so I would have to say that it gets four and a half strong woman. <laughs> but the only thing I can really give it is Jared Leto. <laughs> Indeed. I give it a Jared Leto as well. A strong Jared Leto. Uh, strong and powerful. Yeah, powerful. this is a strong and powerful Jared Leto. This is not like your borderline Jared Leto situation. This is the thing that defined the D rank when we crafted this system of Joker ratings. When you think of what is at the very bottom of the abyss, you see what they did to Picard in this show. There's no other way to put it. This is laughable. It defines the rank. It does, truly. <laughs> and with that, we will close out. You know, I think now that there's a Snyder cut, <laughs> that we should get the air cut of Suicide Squad. And then we'll truly see the darkest Jared Leto. <laughs> Supposedly there's like an hour's worth of footage of Jared Leto that would get from Are an air cut. Are you fucking shitting me? I'm not fucking with you, dude. Wow. I guess there's a fuck ton of Jared Leto footage that never made it. <laughs> I can say, oh my God, this will happen. I know it's going to happen now. Now that I said it, I know it's going to happen. I can already see this happening. The Snyder Cut's going to happen. It's going to be remotely just, just fucking like a smidgen better than the travesty that initially came out, right? And people are going to be like, see, it was fucking better. Now let's get a suicide cut. <laughs> The suicide cut. Let's try to make that trash movie good. <laughs> no, let's just do Jared versus Joaquin, like Freddy versus Jason. But that would be amazing. <laughs> that would let be him, amazing. Let them just brawl it out on live television. The winner takes Joker. 
I remember seeing someone trying to defend the tattoos on Jared Leto's Joker. Oh, He's like, I actually thought the tattoos were was pretty genius. The the damage tattoo on his forehead, he put on his forehead because uh, after he killed Robin, Batman beat the ever-living shit out of him and disfigured his face and made him have to get all of his teeth crowned and stuff, or capped and stuff. So then he tattooed damaged on his forehead because, you know, he's damaged. And I was just like, wait a minute. The Joker's damaged? I thought the Joker was damaged when he killed a little kid in a costume with a crowbar. I thought that was when he was damaged. What are you fucking talking about right now? I was like, I think that's like real-life Stockholm syndrome for the joker in reality like you're really sympathizing for him <laughs> i mean get into the character all you want but it doesn't change your d-rank <laughs> no shit <laughs> <laughs>